0: You guys know supporting local businesses in our blood, and we're excited to tell you about the Denver Rubber Company. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable partner for your long term projects. Since nineteen seventy two, they've provided the highest quality of products from custom die cut gaskets to molded rubber to custom contract manufacturing and custom hoses. And the snow is here. You gotta go to Denver Rubber Company when you need anything that has to do with snowplows. They can cut to size and pre-slot most snowplow rubber. The blades can be cut to any length and slotted to mount your exact specifications. We went and checked out their warehouse a few weeks back and it was nothing short of amazing. They do everything there. So be sure to call them today for any of your snowplow needs, custom gaskets, hoses, etc. at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com dnvr. Welcome to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee and make sure you use that oh so magical code DNVR20 whenever you get that delicious CBD infused rich tasty coffee that's DNVR20 to receive 20% off and boys it's a big day today you want to know why because it's the most depressing day of the year
1: it is yeah according according to studies the Monday after the new year is the most depressing day of the year because all the fun stuff it's now in the rearview mirror. Now you're just in the dead of winter. Wait,
2: I, you got Miami, Ohio, and Louisiana Lafayette <laughs> playing in the Lending Tree Bowl. I wasn't sure if it was Dollar General or GMAC or GoDaddy. The bowl at
1: is Lad the, people I Stadium. The GMAC
0: sounds like a conference.
1: GMAC. That sounds like Good Morning America.
2: Yeah.
0: What is? Do we know what GMAC is? Uh,
2: It's basically it's General Motors' auto lending arm. So you want to borrow money to make sure you get that car, you do it through GMAC.
0: (laughs) Well, I disagree. Despite the fact that we don't have the national championship, which is kind of BS, I've been waiting for this day. I feel like from Thanksgiving to today is all just like a wacky whirlwind where nothing ever actually gets done. You're never in a groove. You just it doesn't feel normal today, I feel like we're back to normal life. so you like mundane i I just like boring. I like to just getting into a a, a groove.
3: <laughs>
1: you don't like parties during the holidays. Stop. You don't like the fun and gifts. Yes, I hate all of that. Wow.
0: Um, no. I'd like
2: it better if I were covering baseball, and I feel like if I was on a baseball schedule, I would truly enjoy the holidays a little bit more than
0: being on an NFL team schedule. That makes sense.: That's fair. But that's, none of that is why today is the biggest, a big <laughs> oh, day. Today is a big day, folks, because episode one of the new season of The Bachelors no. tonight. Oh, Let's go. My
3: Let's go. Oh,
0: Bachelor my season, SCN, we back. <laughs> I hope you're all ready to watch every episode intently and prepare for a roundup for me all the time, because I know that this is why the listeners come here. So you got to get me prepared. Is it The Bachelor or is it The Bachelorette? It's The Bachelor. The Bachelor, okay. Um, Peter, who I'm not a big fan of, uh, is going to be The Bachelor. But, I, you know, if your team's quarterback sucks, you still watch your team, right? <laughs> and The Bachelor is my team, and Peter I, is now my quarterback. You're really hyping this up.
2: Yes. I don't, I don't know. There were people not watching the Broncos when Brandon Allen was the quarterback.
1: No, there weren't. <laughs> So, is Peter Brandon Allen? Is he Joe
0: Flacco? Is he...
3: He's
1: very
0: Brandon Allen. He's very Brandon
3: Allen. Uh,
2: Not even Trevor?
0: He's very Trevor. Okay. Actually, he's exactly Trevor. Okay.
1: I can get behind this then.
2: What if he were Paxton?
0: No. There already was a Paxton. He would have been a lot of people's first choice (laughs) uh, for this. (laughs) But anyways... um, I've already put in a word with your girlfriend and Mace, your wife, to make sure that you guys are watching attentively. And what are we talking about? Like a 30-minute episode tonight? Uh, Times six.
1: Times six? Yeah. Who has time for a three-hour show? We watch three-hour shows all the time. It's called sports. I was going to say, you're telling me this is an NFL football game. Yes. Wow. Mm.
3: Yeah. So- three hours
1: sounds absurd, but then you th- Think of it as a football game. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, the be- yeah but- All the best TV
0: is three hours. Sports and The Bachelor.
2: <laughs> soccer games are two.
0: Soccer games, man, you got to <laughs> love the pace of a soccer game. It's,
2: that's why it's, it's the perfect sport for kind of this day and age because if it's, a, if it's not a single elimination knockout round game, you know you're turning that game on at 8 a.m. and at about 9.50 in the morning, done.
0: Nice, quick yeah. halftime, right mm-hmm. back on the pitch. Clock just rolls, and then you're done.
2: Yeah, they don't stop it. Just is, go, go, go.
1: Is that what this podcast has turned into in the off season? a, a football podcast? Uh,
0: it's an everything podcast, and that's what <laughs> makes it so good in the off season. So anyways, I expect your guys' reports on each and every candidate tomorrow, and we'll you're, you're make our be, brackets and compare. You're
2: going to be disappointed with my report. <laughs>
0: I got to tell you, though, this,
1: the, the first few episodes aren't, aren't my jam. Now, you have to watch them. whoa. Yeah. Okay, go no, ahead. No. I'm going to let you, you have you your take. Ha, you have to watch them because you, you got to see all the first impressions, but I'm more of uh, you know, a personality guy. I, 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 like to, I like to know the people, right? It's not all about the faces for me. It's about uh-huh. the personalities. I, I'm the, the, the inch long, mile deep sort of guy, but if this is your episode- What's an inch long? Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> wait, my, uh, <laughs> mile wide and inch deep? <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, uh, my heart. Your heart is an inch long. Yeah. It's a mile deep.
0: (laughs) Uh, You caught me. I am the opposite. I like to judge the hell out of these people the second they walk in. I'm like, not her, not her, not her, not her, not her, not her, not her. Oh, She can hang. Not her, not her, not her. Uh, Wow. This is going to be fun, though. Uh, And I look forward to probably a three-hour recap (laughs) podcast tomorrow. As we go through each candidate. With five minutes of football. Yes. Somewhere. Exactly. So, um, are are there bachelor podcasts out there? Oh, yeah. Okay. You've got like these are the most popular genres of podcasts one, sports, two, bachelor podcasts. (laughs) So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Allie's chiming in. They do, like, March Madness-style brackets. Oh, my, oh my gosh. gosh. Wow. Have you filled yours out? Or do no, you do it after? I haven't. I'm saving that for my Bachelor podcast.
3: <laughs> oh, perfect, so perfect. I'm starting up this year. <laughs> well, the
2: reason why I said that is if that space is not
0: being adequately filled, the Bachelor podcast space, then... I'm thinking there's still a, a place to permeate into the market. Anyways, <laughs> that was our five good minutes of bachelor talk I'm gonna I'm gonna put it to a stop and if you're still listening (laughs) yes and if you're still listening we are going to talk about football today because something interesting happened this weekend Zach do you know what it is that was really interesting that happened I mean like really interesting stuff no both of your Super Bowl picks lost yeah that was interesting to me. <laughs> yeah, not, not a good year to be my Super Bowl <laughs> picks. <laughs> and I'm feeling a little
2: bit better about my NFC pick because I just said, oh, I picked the Packers at the start. I'm going to stick with them. And I feel much better about the matchup against the Seahawks
0: than I would have against the Saints. Did we pick on this podcast who was going to win the Super Bowl like at the beginning of the season? We probably both don't just think had the Patriots. So. Yeah, probably. Yeah.
2: <laughs> 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 my pick was the Packers and Chiefs. It, it wasn't on this podcast, but elsewhere. Right. That, that are you, did you stick with
1: that? I know you had the Packers. Yeah, yeah so Packers you, and Chiefs. I said, Packers, Chiefs, Packers. they're my
2: original picks. They both got bye weeks in the playoffs. I'm just going to ride with them. Well, the ride good or die. News,
1: the good news is I feel just as comfortable about your Packers Super Bowl pick as I do my Patriots Super Bowl pick, and the Patriots <laughs> are out of the playoffs right now. So. um
0: the, so I, you texted me like, what's your pick? And I just had no time. I, I hadn't given it any thought. I just threw out 49ers Ravens. The truth is, yeah, the one
1: seeds. Why? Wow, you really went on a limb there.
0: I just, <laughs> I just said the first thing that came to my mind. Um, I, I didn't, ha- I wasn't on the podcast, so I didn't have time to say like the Chiefs are so scary. Yeah. They are so scary right so, now. You
1: know what? I think this is a good time. Just give everyone a do-over. Now we can make our
0: Super Bowl picks again, you know? No, you, you I, I'm definitely not putting the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. <laughs> nice try there, Zach. But I, I, I will say appreciate they, your effort. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if they make the Super Bowl, and that's a scary thought.
1: And what, the past six games, they've given up nine points per game? past yep. five games, something like that? Obviously,
0: you have to throw out one of those games because it's in a blizzard. But uh, <laughs> All the other games, they've been really good. Something else interesting happened. Tom Brady threw a pick six to end a game, end Zach's Super Bowl pick hopes. (laughs) But now the narrative out there is that that could have been his last throw ever. That's silly. But it could (laughs) be his last throw as a Patriot. Zach? Zach? our resident patriots guy.
2: Uh, no. <laughs> Tom Brady your bay.
0: What do you think about this? What do you think about the entire narrative surrounding Tom Brady right now? And you know where I'm going with this next, so we I'll are, just let you go ahead.
1: You're 100% right, Tom Brady that was not his last throw. But it seems like that really could be his last throw as a New England Patriot by his choice. And he's going to be out on the open market. And guys, I think the Denver Broncos are going to be interested. Mm. You've got to be kidding me. And before we get in this, I'm not saying this is what the
0: Broncos should do. But looking at the signs, see, are you freaking see, just kidding me? I see hang different hang on, signs. Just I'm wanna, sorry. Like, I want to bold that four times over that Zach is saying this is not what he thinks they should do. Because <laughs> I just know, <laughs> know that someone is going to come at you yes, over this. Yes.
1: It will happen. It will happen. It'll happen on social media. It'll happen in our comments section. It's not what they should do. But guys, one week ago today, John Elway opened up the press conference asking him about Drew Locke, this young guy that went 4-1, and showed, showed, showed so much hope. And what was his answer? Well, it wasn't even a real sentence. It wasn't a sentence. And if it was a sentence, guys, he would have said, I don't see any other options right now. Like, what a lack of an endorsement. And now, guys... There's the greatest quarterback of all time that is going to be an option if he doesn't re-sign with the Patriots in, this next, in, in these next two months. So John Elway went from, what's your quarterback situation? Ah, there's no option, so I guess we're rolling with Drew. Two, there's the greatest quarterback of all time available right now.
0: Drew Brees? Is not Maybe. the greatest quarterback. <laughs> John, if you're listening, I need you to listen very closely. Drew Locke on Saturday, would have given the New England Patriots a better chance of winning that game on that night in this year than Tom Brady did. And I stand by that 1,000%. I can't be convinced otherwise. So,
2: Who played better against the Patriots, Joe Flacco or Tom Brady? Or the Titans, sorry,
0: the Titans. Joe played Flacco. better against the Titans. And, and here's the thing. Like, It'd be one thing if Tom had, I don't know, three or four good years left and Drew Locke hadn't shown promise or anything like that. But we're talking about a guy who's trending up versus a guy who is decidedly trending down and is – it just – there's no way that you can look yourself in the mirror and say, like, that is the right move for the Denver Broncos. And, Zach, I don't think you're wrong. That it will be talked about or considered. But I think they'll but be I considering think it's other things. Absolutely th- insane. <laughs> but I
2: think they'll be considering other things as well that are more. Other, if they do think about veterans, others are more likely. If Drew Brees is on the market. So let, think, let, let let I let. think they would think about him. And that, if you're going to delve into the psychology of John Elway, one of the final things that uh, Jack Elway did before he he died in 2001, was he scouted and championed Drew Brees. A huge fan of Drew Brees. Uh, Back then, of course, the Chargers end up picking him uh, to start the second round back in the 01 draft. Phillip Rivers, I think, is more likely to be a Bronco than Tom Brady. Eli Manning is more likely to be a Bronco than Tom Brady. But that being said... The best thing for the Denver Broncos to do, I concur, is to ride with Drew Locke. But if there's a veteran, I don't think it's Tom Brady. I believe if Brady is not a Patriot, he will be either a Los Angeles Charger or if the Panthers hire Josh McDaniels, a Carolina Panther.
1: Okay, let's go down this wacky road. And Drew Brees, it doesn't look like he's going to be on the open market. He, They do have a contract option, right. but he has a lot of dead money in there. So it really looks like, unless Sean Payton says, look, we just lost in the first round after, an, after having a really good year. We need to change something up. We're going with Teddy Bridgewater. Bridgewater's also under contract for one more year, so it's not like they would have to make that jump. So let's, <clears throat> would Drew Brees, let's say the Broncos... Have to go down uh, a veteran quarterback route, so we're just doing the ridiculous ass, and I think putting Drew Locke aside, not counting on him, kind of like John Elway almost did, not to that full extent, but kind of did last week. Would Drew Brees be your number one veteran quarterback?
2: Yes, probably.
1: In May sight, that you would agree as well. So now let's put Drew Brees to the side. He's not
2: declining the way Tom Brady is now in three seasons of decline.
0: Although I do see some. Some declining. I do see it. I could just, just see it in the way that he throws. It's starting to happen. Yep. But he would be all of our first choice. I think we can yes. agree he's on that. He's got more
2: left in the tank. I'd say he's probably where Tom Brady was two years ago, which stands to reason he's born. he was born two years after Tom Brady.
1: So, Mace, you went through a bunch of other veteran quarterbacks and said you'd rather have them over Tom Brady. Do you agree, Ryan? Would rather have who, – who'd you list off? Phillip Rivers? No. I didn't say, well, <laughs> I'd
2: said that the Broncos would consider these more. Okay. But I want them to go young. I want them to ride Drew Locke, get a Chase Daniel to back him up, and But I'm I, w- I
1: want to know in your book how how low Tom Brady would be in, in, in the veterans that could be available.
0: All right. so All right, You want me to tell
1: you how low?
2: I'd rather have Jameis Winston.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, so Jameis
2: Winston, uh, let's— <laughs> Let's see. does that not say at all you guys know how I feel about James Winston. We're talking in a
0: hypothetical world here where Drew Locke doesn't really exist. Um I would actually rather have James Winston. Just because I think you're, you have, you have there's if- a potential um there's something there that ha- that might not have been unlocked If yet. you
2: had to go veteran, but uh. I don't want them to go old veteran. I want them to get a steady backup who can pilot the but Mace, we're, go- for we're, go- we're going down this route because I think we all agree Drew Locke's our guy. And
1: we're, we're, we're
0: unquestionably rolling with Drew Locke. Even getting Drew Brees, as crazy as this sounds, you're just. You're hurting yourself. You have, In my opinion, your best chance at getting back into contention quickly is Mace's favorite three words cost controlled quarterback, drink, and <laughs> paying. million or something absurd, $25 million even, to Drew Brees to hopefully get two more good years out of him just seems so silly to me. Ride with Drew Locke, build the rest of the roster, and try to do what a lot of teams before you have done, which is have a ton of success with a young quarterback. And by the way, something else you have to remember here is that the Chiefs are two years ahead of you on this which actually is a good thing for you because as a Broncos fan, you cross your fingers and hope that the Chiefs don't win a Super Bowl for the next two years. Then they got to pay Patrick Mahomes, and the Broncos will have two years of cheap drew lock while they have their whole roster strapped by the fact that they had to pay probably like $40 million to Patrick Mahomes.
2: And you might be able to weaken them because, let's say, they can't afford to bring Chris Jones back. Plug him in on your defensive line. I don't think they strengthen, can. Strengthen your D line and weaken them.
0: Yeah. They, they like don't. Ch- Shelby Harris for Chris Jones. It's a decent little trade there. Mm hmm.
2: Maybe you think about Sammy Watkins as a wide receiver, too.
0: I wouldn't, but yeah, you could.
2: If you don't like what's there in the draft, although if you don't like the receivers in this draft, then. Sammy Watkins? I can't help you. <laughs> I would, look, I would rather have any of these guys in the first round, CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, any of those three than Sammy Watkins. Without a doubt. Yeah, and here's the thing. My dream scenario is Jerry Judy sitting at 15. No offense Henry Ruggs.
0: After week one, he had a huge week one. After that, he didn't have a... And he is in an offense that is like, talk about wide receiver heaven. (laughs) He didn't have a game over 67 yards, and he had zero touchdowns the rest of the season. Wow. Like... Yeah, yeah. So he's just
2: pretty good. He's not great. He's not game. It is breaker. crazy
0: because he was so dominant in college. <laughs> yes, he, he was. never. It just never came over to the NFL in terms of dominance. He was really good for a while. Cost Bills two first-round picks. Wild. Yeah, crazy. But
1: guys, I think. Okay, but I think going back to to this.
2: What about Kendall Fuller? Again, weaken the Chiefs. Yeah. Strengthen yourselves. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah.
1: I think Tom Brady could be John Elway's perfect plan for drew lock
2: you mean the plan that he wanted to have with joe flacco being a two to three year guy
1: yep exactly i don't think that has gone away from from john elway's thinking well that's great
2: because if they get tom brady they're getting joe flacco because (laughs) if his rate of decline over the last three seasons continues into 2020 across the board his numbers are going to look like those of Joe Flacco the last five years. And I Congratulations.
1: Think, I think John – I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying, Mace, but I think John's going to say, holy cow, there's no better situation for Drew. Look, he's promising. Now he can really be our plan of the future. But now he can learn from Tom Brady, sit behind him for two years and – With Tom, we understand that there's only two years left, so it's going to fit
2: perfectly in this scenario where he sits for three years. And he might get some dumbass ideas like drinking a lot of water allows you to prevent getting sunburned. Forget about (laughs) sunscreen, just drink water. TB12, Alex Guerrero, quack.
0: I feel like I've seen this happen before. There's this young quarterback who seems really promising – Uh, But then there's this veteran guy who's one of the best of all time, and you have the older guy until the very last year of the other guy's current contract, and the other guy doesn't get the chance that he deserves and ends up being really upset and leaves in free agency, and then you're back to square one. Does this sound at all familiar to anyone?
2: It does, except Drew Locke is a hell of a lot better than Brock Osweiler. Yes, he
0: is. (laughs) But in the organization, the Broncos thought they had their guy of the future, they waited too long to commit to him. Once they committed to him, they only – they didn't commit. Once they went to him, they only half went to him. They pulled him out, and they thought all along like, okay, and then we're just going to hand him a contract. And he was like, you know what? F you guys. I would have I been a Super Bowl champion if you just let me play.
2: And it ended up being the worst move for all parties, was it not? Because if Osweiler comes back to Denver in 2016, what's their record with him at the starter?
0: I think they make the playoffs.
2: Eleven, about eleven and five, right? He probably would have been worth two wins more than what you had.
0: He'd been, in the Broncos. Wow, weird alternate universe. Because they maybe that's signed an, him up for four years. Maybe right? that's
2: another what if piece for the offseason. What if Brock Osweiler comes back?
0: He was so bad in Houston. He was, so, and Trev actually had a good year though.
2: That's because, there's a long history of quarterbacks not named Peyton Manning having their best years with Gary Kubiak whispering in their ear. Including Trevor Simeon, yeah.
0: I still can't mm-hmm. believe, like, I still can't believe that Gary Kubiak came in and like, changed the Peyton Manning offense, and it didn't just come back to kill him.
3: <laughs> yeah, like,
2: thank, they did
0: have a terrible offense. But he like, can
2: thank Wade Phillips for that. Wade Phillips, who by the way is now on the job
0: market. What a that's weird too. I think he's just too. He's he's this like teddy bear out on the front facing side. I think he really rubs people the wrong way inside I, of organizations. I think the,
2: pr- the thing with Wade Phillips is that he is the genius who doesn't have to study for the test but can still go out there and ace it when it matters. Sounds pretty I, good. He's the guy who you know how there's always a that that student that makes like Season and B's just gets by, but then takes the SAT and gets like 1580, mm-hmm. that's Wade Phillips.
0: And you think that rubs people the wrong way?
2: Well, I think there's a lot of people who grind, 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 and Wade at this point in his career isn't necessarily that guy, but you put him out there on Sunday, and far more often than not, he has the perfect call, the perfect feel for the situation, knows exactly what to do with the guys in front of him and he also has that natural innate ability to get the players believing in him and relating to him to this day. But you got coaches that show up at like five in the morning and that's not where Wade Phillips yeah. is at this point right. in his life.
0: Yep. And you know what what type of place he is in his life? Move somewhere nice and warm.
3: <laughs>
0: Go coach and take a nice young team to the playoffs next year. Arizona Cardinals (laughs) should be on the phone with him right now. Well, Vance likes him. Yeah, well, Vance would have to go. (laughs) What I'm
2: saying is that Vance stays as defensive coordinator and has Wade kind of as as what Tom Moore was with
0: Bruce Arians in Arizona. If Wade is the guy who doesn't have to study and gets A's. Vance is the guy who studies really hard and gets C's. Yeah. I just don't know if that relationship would work. I'm not well. sure I've ever
2: seen I've ever covered or been around a a more natural defensive mind as far as what to do on game day and what to do game plan wise than Wade Phillips. He is when the Broncos won the Super Bowl, a big part of that was even though the offense was clunky at that point, you had genius level guys calling plays on both sides of the ball. Yeah, geniuses at what they did.
1: Yeah, man, I would, I would do Cliff and uh, that's and, like and that was Cliff my dream and scenario.
0: And Cliff yeah. and Cliff is a genius <laughs> yeah. level
2: guy on offense right now
3: too.
0: Yeah, that's that was my dream scenario. I'm like, yeah. if you could somehow get Cliff Kingsbury and Wade Phillips together. You are gonna kill, and I just—it adds a really interesting wrinkle to the NFL world that someone next year is going to get year one-way defense. Year yep. one-way
2: defense is the, one of the most reliable tenets of effective football. Wade you should just
0: only sign one-year contract. He should, <laughs> he should bounce just around the go, league. <laughs> just try to take uh, every team in the league to the playoffs with his, de- with his defense. Well,
2: I mean, let's say. Uh, You know, some team interviews Dennis Allen, who's been a head coach before, was defense coordinator here, but has done a very good job in New Orleans. Some team interviews Dennis Allen, likes him, and hires him. Well, if you're the New Orleans Saints, your first call has to be to Wade Phillips, right?
0: Right. So, everyone, like, it almost puts a hold on everything that happens from here on. Like, everyone is going to want
2: it. If Carolina hires an offensive coach, they're... They're going to interview Josh McDaniels. They're going to interview Kevin Stefanski from Minnesota this week. They're actually flying their contingent up to Minneapolis because the Vikes are still in the playoffs. If they hire an offensive coach, it doesn't matter who it is. Shouldn't their first call be to Wade Phillips? Hey, come run our defense. Charlotte's a nice place to live.
0: Everyone who doesn't have, like, a top five defense in the NFL should be having a meeting right now. Hmm. Do we fire our defensive coordinator and go get Wade Phillips? Josh McDaniels and Wade Phillips? Yeah, that's that not would, work. That would be... And, and just to put this to bed thing. right now, so no one brings it up, Wade Phillips is not coming back to Denver to work with Vic Fangio. There's absolutely no chance that relationship would not work. It's just no, 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 no. And you don't really
1: want it. I mean, we're not pining here saying that should happen. Well, let me give you
2: another one Mike McCarthy should call Wade Phillips.
3: Yes. Yeah. Everyone because, should call him. And
2: also, think about this the big oh, Wade, ring. Wade going back to Dallas. The one big ring on Wade Phillips's finger came when he returned to a team for which he'd previously been head coach as defensive coordinator. <laughs> so I wonder if someone has whispered that into the ear of Jerry Jones this, and Mike McCarthy today.
0: This, Wade Phillips is like a five-star recruit right now. Oh, yeah. everyone wants. Like, he's going to have oh, yeah. his pick of whatever, wherever he wants to go. He should. And I just really hope it's Arizona. <laughs> I think
2: it just hit me that Dallas is the best spot for him.
0: It makes sense. He loves Dallas. He, I mean, yeah, he's, he's, very, all, he's
2: all about Texas. He's going back to the Cowboys.
0: Yep, that makes too much
2: sense. Boy, that's interesting.
0: And Mike McCarthy seems like a guy who could get along with Wade Phillips. I agree.
2: And I think, Mike, what he's, learned, what he's kind of focused on analytically in the last year or so, he has to know that if he can get the offense right and then have a genius running the defense – That's the equation right
0: there. I just, I wonder what happened in L.A. But I just, I, I just hope Sean McVay is calling his buddy Cliff right now and just saying, (laughs) "Dude, he's pretty annoying, but you need (laughs) it."
1: And then, then Cliff's like, "You just, you, you pretty much just fired him. Why would, why would you be giving him to me?" He's like, "We've moved past.
0: We're already up to a nice level." Um, Yeah, in like, you might say, "Well." Cliff already announced that Vance is coming back. Yeah, Cliff also took a job at USC <laughs> and then left like four days later. <laughs> yeah, that don't matter. All right, before we move along here, I want to give a shout-out to Breckenridge Brewery and most specific, specifically, can't speak, the Strawberry Sky. A couple people today, uh, this weekend, reached out to us said they were having their first Strawberry Sky. I think it was someone from down in El Paso yep. ran into some Strawberry Sky. Um Shout out to the people at Breckenridge that are just pushing Strawberry Sky further and further out. And shout out to you guys for listening to us that it doesn't matter the temperature. It's always going to taste great. So, big shout out to Breck. We love you. And also, a shout out to The Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. Get on your phone right now. Go to their website, mygreensolution.com. Order your flour, concentrates, edibles, to- and topicals online. And then just head to the closest Green Solution for pickup. And yes, that, that same old magical code, DNVR20, will get you 20% off your entire purchase. I'm
2: going to put a torpedo in the dream of Wade Phillips, <laughs> Mike McCarthy. Yeah. Mike Nolan. According to a source, per uh, Jane Ew. Slater of NFL Network, Mike Nolan headed to go run the defensive side of the football for the Dallas Cowboys.
1: Rethink that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I certainly, maybe Jerry hasn't got the news at Wade. Yeah, there. like rethink that. <laughs> Should we talk to the people? Let's talk to the people. And first one coming in from... I hope S- no one
0: asks if Wade Phillips is coming. <laughs> first
1: one coming in from Southern Steve. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the Steve Atwater thoughts. He is my favorite all-time Bronco player and definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I still remember watching the KC Denver game when he stood up the Nigerian nightmare Christian Okoye. Yes, Okoye. I screamed out loud and watched the play over and over. When he gets inducted, I will be taking the trip to Canton for the induction of the smiling assassin.
2: There's so much love for Steve Atwater in Broncos country that I am convinced that... Whenever he goes into the Hall of Fame, the crowd at Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium will be seventy-five percent Bronco fans. I thought you were going to say seventy-five thousand. <laughs>
1: Southern Steve, mm-hmm. if if that's if that's you, Steve Atwater, we love you.
2: Well, but Steve, uh, he went to school at Arkansas, but Steve grew up in St. Louis.
1: Maybe I was thinking he, So maybe, he's not maybe really he Southern embraced, Steve. Maybe he embraced his yeah, time at Arkansas. He's,
2: he's Midwest Steve. <laughs> Actually, if you told him, him that, he'd be like, role. No, I'm Colorado Steve. Yeah. There we go. He says this place is home. That's why he came back.
0: <laughs> uh, let Love me it. just say it. The I, I, I've said it before, I'll say it again. The Hall of Fame well, what I used to say is the Hall of Fame is dead to me until they induct Pat Bolin <laughs> and Steve Atwater. They're one for two. So the second that they induct Steve Atwater, it will once again be a legitimate organization. So are they are they like coming out of the grave right now? Like when you're fifty percent not dead, what what do you at? There's a defibrillator. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we got to get Randy
2: Gratishar in, too. I think that's a priority as well.
0: Yes, it is. But it's not as um, personal to me.
2: I get that. You didn't see Randy Gratishar play. I did not. Exactly. But I would say for Broncos country, the members of Broncos country in their 50s, 60s, and 70s, they probably put Randy Gratishar on the same level, and Gratishar's been waiting a lot longer. And, of course, he's, a, he's got his chance, I think, with the with the big seniors class coming up this year. And, actually, the Hall of Fame committee is going to meet to discuss those seniors and coaches and contributors on Wednesday.
0: And the one that also really irks me that I, I just don't think he'll ever get in, and I think it, just, it it is an indictment upon this process that he's not going to get in, and it's Carl Mecklenburg and it just shows you that most of these voters I'm not going to put them all together are looking at numbers on a page and you just can't see Carl Mecklenburg's impact by looking at numbers on a page. And
2: the thing is with Carl Mecklenburg you have a guy who was an all-pro a perennial pro bowler who literally played all seven spots in, in one game seven, once. In one game. <laughs> that is
1: insane. It's insane.
2: He, the resume of Carl Mecklenburg I think, un, looks unlike that of any other candidate in the history of the sport.
0: I think the coach, who was a coach at that time? Would, would it have, I don't know. Because it was Joe, he, coach, Joe
2: Collier and then Wade Phillips.
0: I think Joe Collier at one point said he actually played him at eight positions in one game because he's like, we used him as a box safety on one yes. play.
2: Could, who, who's
1: the Broncos currently most versatile player on defense? Is it Justin Simmons?
0: Probably, I mean, Will Parks played in the box, safety, strong safety, and nickel corner. Kareem Jackson.
1: Okay, so so take any of those safeties, and uh, I'll even let you combine them into one player. Could you imagine them playing outside corner as well, also inside linebacker and defensive line? Or
2: just take Justin Hollins, who can be an inside backer and can be an edge rusher. Imagine but him you're playing not nose. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No way. Yeah. No chance. Yeah. yeah. No,
1: you never
0: see it. I just, I don't know. I don't think he's ever going to get in because that's just not as important to the voters as it should be. It's not
2: as important, but I think they clear this backlog of seniors that they have right now. I think Mecklenburg works his way into the discussion in the seniors pool at some point. And generally speaking, the... Larger selection committee of 48 people, sports writers, a couple of Hall of Famers because you have Dan Fouts and uh, James Lofton in that room right now. Um, That larger committee usually gives a rubber stamp to the seniors, players. There's only been a couple of exceptions
0: to that. And uh, I don't think you would mind me sharing this, but uh, I talked to Jeff Legwald, who's obviously the Broncos representative in the room, about Mech once, and he said to me that – if Mech ever got in the room, he's really confident that he could he could sell yes. everything that we've just talked about and so much more. Hmm. Yep. That's On, interesting.
2: Speaking of Hall of Famers, true champ fan 24. Guys, when you all said that drafting a wideout in the first round means that you're expecting to be better than Sutton and the team's number one here in a year or two, it makes me tilt my head a bit. Why does that have to be the case? Court's developing rather nicely, I thought, and looks a lot better in, the, in his routes. He can get better, sure, but he is a 1,000-yard wideout who gets downfield, blocks well, and attacks the football. I don't think it would be fair to say if we draft a guy in the first that he has to take overtake court as the one. Drafting a wideout in the first to me means Elway believes in lock and is going to get him every available weapon he can get his hands on. Unpopular opinion, I'd draft wideouts in the first and second if we got that offensive line taken care of in free agency. Another possession guy like T. Higgins and a burner in the second. I think about the four-horsemen approach Denver ran with back in 2012-2013. DT Decker Welker and, and Julius Thomas. Just my thoughts. Love y'all. Keep up the great work.
1: We love you too, True Champ yeah. Fan 24. And it doesn't have to be the case, but just looking at it, you know, from a thousand feet back, it should be the case. Cortland Sutton was a second round pick who is developing probably just as good as anyone could have hoped if not even better. Yes. But this isn't like a first round pick at 28. This is a mid-first-round pick. A wide receiver there should be an absolute star, in my opinion. If I'm picking a receiver in the first to 15, he is a star. Does that mean that it's bad if Cortland Sutton's the two? No, if Cortland Sutton's the two with the way he's developing, that is fantastic. But if I'm drafting a guy at 15, I want to make sure he's... Maybe maybe the bar is just as good as Cortland Sutton. I think that's what he needs to be.
0: In the end... It's all semantics in terms of who's the one and who's the two. Right. If you have two absolute stars, they're probably both going to go over 1,000 yards. They're probably both going to flirt with 100 catches, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but the truth is, I agree with you. You draft a guy that high, it's kind of like the old uh, adage that I, used, that I say about you know um, college recruiting all the time. Bill McCartney used to say to the players, my job is to recruit players who take – who." Take your job. Your job is to make me wrong. I love that. I love it, too. Yeah. And that's the same thing as drafting. My job is to draft players who will end up being better than all of you guys. Well, Your yep. job is to make me wrong. Yep. Do, you,
2: do you guys remember Ashley Only? Yeah. Yep. Mid-first-round pick back in 2002. Pretty good. It was a 1,000-yard season in there. But he never could take that step to be the wide receiver one. And even though Rod Smith was getting older and getting toward the end of his career – Rod was still the guy, still clearly the best receiver the Broncos had. And that's why Ashley and Lee, even though he had a solid career as a Denver Bronco, to this day is regarded as a disappointment. And one more point. You, Ryan, of course, have talked about this scheme. Remember our Joe Burrow discussion regarding this scheme.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, it's obvious that to make this scheme work, you need the quality players, quality talent. Yes. And so back in the 1990s, you had Rod Smith and Ed McCaffrey
0: and Shannon Sharp
2: and Shannon Sharp (laughs) and it worked in part because you had those three quality targets
0: yep And, and
2: Ed some days Ed could be the wide receiver one some days it was Rod some days Shannon Sharp was the first option
0: what's crazy about all that Rod Smith undrafted right Ed McCaffrey?
2: He was, I believe, a third-round pick of the Giants but came aboard as a free agent. He'd already gone through two teams because he was a 49er before he became a Bronco. And when the Broncos signed him, he was regarded as, oh, maybe a third or fourth receiver.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: And he just built his way up.
0: And you could definitely make the argument that John Elway made Rod Smith and Ed McCaffrey. Um, you, you, you don't want to have to make that argument for Drew Locke. You want to say, Drew Locke, Henry Ruggs and Cortland Sutton all work together to and, and, Noah Fant, and Noah to create an unstoppable force. Like you know, there's a big difference between a second-round pick, a first-round, and two first-round picks that uh, that Drew Locke could be throwing to to John Elway, just taking guys off the street and turning them into stars.
2: And if it's a vertical speed guy like a Henry Ruggs, or if they wait until round two, a Jalen Rager then that's the perfect complement for what you already have because that's, that's giving the safety more to focus on. And all of a sudden, you're talking about Cortland Sutton seeing some more one-on-ones and Noah Fant seeing some one-on-ones
0: down the seam and being able to exploit that. I saw something last night that gave me more confidence in Henry Ruggs, and I hope you've seen it too. Did you see the basketball clip no. of Henry Ruggs? Is he Duncan? Oh, my God. <laughs> He's playing in a pickup game. Jumps the passing lane, steals it, and does a ferocious windmill dunk. <laughs> like, I knew he was a great athlete. I knew he was really fast. Sometimes you just see things in other aspects, like like Drew Locke just cashing three-pointers where you're like, oh, he's that type of athlete. Yep. This was, he is floating above the rim when he throws down this windmill, and I'm just like, ooh. I That's, love it. It's that type of athleticism. I love it,
1: man. And then you can have a competition with who's a better basketball player, Drew or Henry.
0: Well, you can just start putting together the, the young core. Yeah. You got Cortland, who's a baller. Drew Locke is a baller. Noah Fant is actually a really good basketball <laughs> yeah. player. Henry Ruggs in there.
1: Yeah. Wow. All you need to do is bring back Julius Thomas.
3: <laughs> Don't do that.
1: <laughs> Wait, so what, to, to wrap up this comment, what do you guys think of a fourth Receiver, a fourth option by going wide receiver in the first round and the second round. Little much.
0: It's a- certainly a lot. Uh, I don't dislike it. Like when it, if it happened, I wouldn't be saying like, "What are they doing? This isn't smart." But. You've got enough other problems that you're probably getting a little greedy at wide receiver if you do that.
2: If they do that, then I would rather they wait until day three and get one of those pure slot receivers that you can get on the third day of the draft.
1: I would be saying, holy cow, John Elway is trying to be better than the Chiefs offense. But you still have so many holes, I'm not the biggest fan.
2: Why wouldn't you try to be better than the Chiefs offense? That's a standard. Why don't you try to exceed it? No, nope. well, because Isn't that the goal. Then,
1: because then you're not giving your defensive line maybe that guy they need on the line in the second round. But or what something if? Like but
2: that. what if to go back to an early discussion? What if you've inked Chris Jones? What if you've signed Joe Schubert to play inside linebacker? What if? What if you've said we're going to go defense in free agency, offense in the draft, and your free agent class is Showbert, re-signing Simmons, Chris Jones, and you know maybe a Byron Jones or a James Bradbury for good measure.
1: So then you're not doing anything for the offensive line until this until round 3.
2: And then well that's why I say I don't like the idea of a receiver in round 2. I'm going offensive line heavy at that point and I'm getting my slot guy on day 3 after I've got my vertical speed guy later on I'm getting my slot guy.
0: Is is there something to be said for maybe needing like a veteran on offense?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: like yeah you know.
1: Patrick Morris,
0: you're good. Or, like, even is Connor McGovern going to be the veteran-most player on the offense next year? You're talking about all of these guys are so young. Like, maybe you need one veteran wide receiver. Like, maybe your slot guy ends up being, you know, this year's Adam Humphreys. I don't know who's on the market. But maybe you just need to get, like, some – Second contract player on the offense. I'm not saying they have to, but is there something to be said for that? Or like, could they be too young on offense? Maybe. All, right, all right, Vic Fangio, you and your old veterans in the leadership <laughs> oh. committee.
2: Okay, you know what? This is, I'll bring in a cheap old veteran that you know well, Demarius Thomas,
1: uh, as depth. Mm. I,
2: you're not. It's not about. I what, actually like that. Actually. It's not about what he does in terms of production, yep. unless something happens to Cortland Sutton. It's about him being in the room.
0: It's about him being next to Cortland Sutton because Cortland Sutton the waters right. were poisoned by Emmanuel. Sanders. And it's also now another DT's coming in to do damage control. And also you've got <laughs>
2: Drew Locke who's going to lean on and listen to Peyton Manning. It's somebody else in the room who will t- who will say Peyton did it this way. Peyton wanted this.
1: I've got an idea. Peyton Manning is your quarterback coach. He's Uh, great, but he would never do
0: that. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I know. It's an inside joke. (laughs) I know. Uh, All right. This one's you, Mace. Oh, yes.
2: Count Locula. Hi, my friend. Mace, I've got to throw my hat about
0: 75
2: (laughs) times on this. (laughs) I'm going to have to take umbrage with the Broncos' front office idea of a character guy, including any provision for finishing your academic eligibility or graduating. Many guys just want to play ball and might declare early because it makes the most business sense for them, not a strike against someone's character. Last I checked, if Tua comes out early, does he get a demerit? Of course not. This is one of those standards that supports the team's idea when you need it to and that They have a blind eye towards when they have a need for a certain player. It's elitist. It's asinine. And it's yet another way for rich, egotistical owners and GMs to make themselves feel good when they need to. Did the team discipline Kareem Jackson? The answer is no. I think John is doing a decent job, but he needs to stop stop talking about uh, out of both sides of his mouth. Also, character. Didn't we hire a fellow named Pac-Man just last year? I love this game, but I hate the elitism that sometimes imbues it. Love the count. Well, Ryan, that was in response to something John Elway said in the interview that Brandon Cristal and I did on KOA with him about emphasizing character, but he was specific in saying it was character in in the drafting process. And one of the things that they have used as standards, and maybe it's fair, maybe it's not, is for the most part, not always, but for the most part, they have looked for guys who have either graduated or exhausted their eligibility as college players. another layer on top of the team captain team leader type of thing it's not everything but it's something that they're that they will use to break ties
0: everyone in any sort of talent development or recruitment position has check boxes and you build your criteria and you can't sit there and expect everyone to check off every single box but let's say you have seven boxes. You'd like for them to check off five. And so I get what Count Locula is saying here of like it's um, not fair to, to knock someone mm-hmm. for not doing something. But you do you, – you build your checklist. And if graduating is part of their checklist, it's something that will be considered. It shouldn't be everything, but it's just one piece. And, and Mel Tucker talks about this all the time. Like we – Don't settle. And he says if you you make one exception, then you make two exceptions, you make three exceptions, and you eventually have a team full of exceptions to your own rules. But you can – you know, the exception would be a guy who only hits three out of your seven boxes. If you have seven, you want to hit five.
2: Well, it's also interesting that they're doing this with the draft, but to look at kind of other avenues – they did bring in Pac Man Jones, although that was a case where I think simply Vance Joseph had coached him in Cincinnati and vouched for him and said, Look, I can get something out of him. I've coached him. I can and I mean pac
0: I don't think he got arrested as a
2: Bronco, no. did he? Uh, no. Pac Man Jones was not a after. good Bronco and it still bothers me greatly that they allowed him to wear jersey number twenty four. Oh, Insane, <laughs> stupid. But he did not cause any locker room problems for the Broncos while he was here. I think the other guy that you'd look at, he looked so old. Uh, yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> the other guys you you'd look at and say, "Well, that's going certainly going away from the character thing is Alexander Johnson."
1: Yep, with, without a doubt. And uh, John's made a shift in his drafting process, but it's I think it's since John Elway took over as GM or at least since 2000. The Denver Broncos have the most arrests of any team in the NFL. So it's, it's not like, you know, they're a perfect organization now.
2: Yeah, and you said 2000, so it obviously goes back to the Mike Shanahan era. And certainly when Mike was there, he felt that he had enough good character guys in the locker room to be able to dilute the effect of some lesser character players who had a lot of talent. But that's why you saw the Broncos take chances on guys like Dale Carter, Daryl Gardner, who, of course, uh, had the incident at the IHOP over on Parker Road back in 2003. Todd Sauerbrunn is sort of the poster child of this because he'd been connected with a a performance-enhancing scandal in Carolina, as it turned out, that was uh, reported on by 60 Minutes back in the day. And then of course Todd Sauerbrunn, while he's a Bronco, he gets busted for taking Ephedra, which led to Mike Shanahan saying, Why is he doing that? I don't care if he's fat. He's the punter. <laughs> and then having you know hitting a cab driver, which ended up leading to his release. But those were the sorts of those were the sorts of guys that Mike Shanahan rolled the dice on because he thought the rest of the locker room was strong enough. I would argue it probably wasn't in those days. The question now, guys, is is the Broncos locker room strong enough to start taking more chances on these types of players, or do you have to say, no, it's not there yet. It's still developing. We don't want to taint that in any way. We want to still focus on character, character, character in the draft.
1: This isn't an option because he just signed an extension with the Oakland Raiders. But Ryan, what what if the veteran piece on on offense was Richie Incognito at yeah, no. guard? <laughs> Miss me with that? <laughs> you know what? I no. think
0: um, they're still <laughs> in the building stage, and I think they're still in term uh, trying to build a strong character locker room. And the truth is, um, as much as people don't like it, it's like when you're when you're a couple pieces away from a Super Bowl. Is when you start blurring the lines of what you're morally comfortable with. Uh, again, I don't think a lot of people love that, but it's the truth. Why do you think Antonio Brown was bouncing around in a few different locker rooms um, this year, especially the Patriots, who essentially were bad this, weren't as good as they could be this year because they had no talent on the outside. Um, really quick, uh, you talk about that Todd Sauerbrunn story. It reminds me of a CU story um, I heard, which was that in the off season this this kid who they were planning on being their starting defensive tackle just went on a diet with his girlfriend. Like, they just decided to go on a diet. (laughs) This dude rolls into fall camp at 245. (laughs) What? (laughs) And the CU coaches were just like, dude, what? Where did you go? What happened to the rest of your body? It's like, oh, like I don't know what the diet was. He's like me and my girlfriend just decided to do keto this offseason, oh my <laughs> gosh. and they were like, no, dude, you can't. What do you? You can't do that without talking to us. What?
1: So is he uh, like a safety? He never
3: played. Oh, yeah. Never played I've, again.
1: Doesn't surprise me.
0: Yeah. So. Wow. <laughs>
3: All
0: right. Uh, from True. No, from Sound Guy. My dudes, are you familiar with the truck or trailer theory in evaluating quarterbacks? Is that at all like the face punch theory? <laughs> Mace, this was my um, evaluation a couple of years ago of quarterbacks in which I decide how would they respond if you punched them in the face? And I think that's an important uh, characteristic in a quarterback. So how
2: would Baker Mayfield respond if punched in the face? Punch
0: you right back. Yep.
2: Is that, was that a positive
0: that to That is you? a positive, yeah. Okay, yes. there you go. But what if you tickle his under chin? You know, and I was actually <laughs> wrong. <laughs> Guy's an idiot. Uh, I was actually wrong about Josh Allen. Mm. I didn't think Josh Allen was a, would punch back. I didn't either. And since he's been in the NFL, he grits his teeth. Yeah, yeah. He he's got something to him. Yeah, he does. I like him so much. I missed. I, I misevaluated him. Or maybe he's just grown up a little bit, one or the other.
2: Well, that's the whole thing. We don't really know what these guys are coming out of college a lot of the time because they're not finished products. And so many of these quarterbacks, they've had nothing but success, but then the NFL, they have to experience failure for the first time. How do they handle it? I think with Josh Allen, he's handled it better, and he's grown up the last couple of years. He has.
0: I just thought he he looked and acted so soft. Now he's trying to hurdle dudes out there. Yeah. I'm like, man, I like this kid. So, sorry, I wish Josh they had
2: Howard. won Saturday.
0: Me too. I was pulling for them. They probably should have oh, this is something we need to talk about. I want to see what you guys think on this. They probably should have won. You want to know why? Because they should have had a touchdown on that kick return.
2: Yes, because stupidity should be punished. Yes, thank
0: you. <laughs> I'm seeing everyone like, "Yes, this is common sense. That was the right thing to do." And I'm like, "Forget that." It right. was Th- the- wasn't the F word I used, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Booger was the worst one. He's like, "Oh, America didn't want that to, to be a touchdown." Speak for your damn self, Booger. Yeah, like <laughs> I'm in there. Ameri- I'm in America. I wanted that to be a touchdown.
0: You want to know what <laughs> common sense is? Common sense is kneeling the damn football. Yeah, you have yeah. one job. Yep. So and there there was no attempt. It's not like it was a half kneel and it
1: was like, ah, he could he have gone six more. Knee, you know. No, there was nothing. There was nothing. He had
0: a brain fart. And the ref, mid-play, jumped away and from he, it. Exactly. Told, if you watch it in slow motion, he pump fakes it once, and the ref goes like this. Like, don't <laughs> do that. He's actually helping him. It was like table talks. Yeah. He's like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. And he throws it, and he's like, that's a touchdown. Yeah. The Bills should be in the second round of the playoffs right now. Yeah. Well, I, they also should be in the second
2: round because they shouldn't have gotten tight there at the end of the first half and sell for the field goal. They should have kept going. They should have pushed more.
0: Josh Allen – and did have serious deer in headlights syndrome, like actually looked like it, Like his eyes were really wide. Or Brian Dayball
2: one, had tight sphincter syndrome, TSS.
0: Which is one actual problem I have with Drew Locke. I don't think it's on purpose, but when he's out there, his eyes actually get like really wide. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't think it's because he's a deer in a headlights, but it just, it, the optics of it <laughs> yep. always looks like he's like really surprised yep. or something. If he ever has a bad game, it'll be easy to
1: find one of those pictures and you could easily make a headline. Right. Like, Drew Locke was lost. Or, yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyways, going back to the question. Are you familiar, familiar with the truck or trailer theory in evaluating quarterbacks? I am. The theory subscribes to the belief that most quarterbacks can be successful given the correct circumstances. In this scenario, the quarterbacks are either a truck or a trailer. A truck quarterback pulls a mediocre team to succeed, while a trailer quarterback has to be pulled uh, to success by an elite team, both trucks and trailers have the ability to win a Super Bowl. The difference is how they accomplish the goal. Is Drew Lock a truck or a trailer? If Drew is the trailer, what is the ceiling for this team in this scheme? It's funny we use a different term, but it's the same thing. We always say, "Are they the pilot or the plane?" The pilot can steer the plane. The plane carries the whole team.
2: And you can start off being a pilot and then become a plane. Like for example. Russell Wilson, in 2013, very good quarterback. He's pilot mm-hmm. for the Seahawks when they win the Super Bowl. Now he's the plane. Now he's everything.
0: God, he's so good. And it's so weird how he, like, they scored 17 points yesterday. But it still felt like, God, Russ is so good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I how would say this. How about the say balls this, to throw yeah. it deep on that third down? Love that And so maybe much. it's part of overall team
2: construction that if, now, Patrick Mahomes, he's the plane and he's also you can also say he's the pilot he's both he's everything but if you have a young quarterback cost control quarterback drink
3: <laughs>
2: you can be the pilot because you can build the rest of the plane around him in part because you've got that now potentially 30 to 35 million based on where the cost of quarterbacks is going that you spend elsewhere to yep. build the plane yep. so i think the broncos can win next year with Drew Locke as the pilot, if they get the rest of the plane right, but then inevitably by twenty twenty three, if he's going to be the guy, he's got to be the entire plane. That's the question.
3: And
1: that that's pretty much what this boils down to. Me is if if you believe he's the guy, you know, it's all just a different way to say it. Uh, when I talk about a guy and the guy, mm-hmm. it's he's he's the guy that can carry you.
2: Mm-hmm. So name the quarter, so who are the pilot who are the pilots slash trailers who've won Super Bowls. Trent Dilfer, Brad Johnson, Joe mm-hmm. Flacco. Yeah. Um was, what was Peyton Manning then?
0: Peyton Manning has been both. Because yeah,
2: in yeah. this is you know, we the sound guy says Peyton Manning before 2015 mm-hmm. was the truck.
0: After, and 2015
2: yeah. was the trailer.
0: Yeah, it's it's true. I yeah. agree. It's 100% true. He was just one hell of a trailer, like the best If you're going to have a trailer quarterback, he's the best you could have ever had. So what's Tom Brady right now? At best, he's, he's a trailer. A trailer. Because he's, he's like a, Peyton, he's Peyton he's using Manny his mind. Trailer. Right. right. It's
2: all about the mind now. It's what he has.
0: And the reason that they went, what, what did they go? 13 and 3? 12 and 4? 12 and 4. Yeah. Yep. 12 and 4. The reason they went 12 and 4 is because of their defense. But he was that genius mind that yeah. is able to, you know, and I think the pilot um, uh, metaphor works better here. He was, you know, really steering that thing in the right direction.
2: What if I had told you two years ago that the Patriots and Titans would play in the playoffs and the best player on the field was derrick henry
1: i would have said i completely
0: believe you did you I see those really? love well maybe not against the patriots did you see the high school senior stats <sighs>
3: yes that <laughs> is the
0: dumbest thing i've ever seen
2: 57 carries First in one all, game what yeah. are they doing if
0: i'm nick saban i'm calling down to that coach and saying you psychopath stop <laughs> doing this to my number one recruit what is wrong with you but maybe he just knew he's such a horse that it just doesn't matter. Yeah. Like a big hit doesn't even isn't even really a big hit to him. No, it's true. He's Von, he's Von Miller. You hurt yourself more trying to big hit him than you hurt him. His hair is about the size of me. It is crazy. He looks so much bigger than Von Miller, but he does. everything about them is the same. Same size, same height, same weight, same um vertical jump, same 40 time. Like to, the, to a a T. Is it just the dreads or is it his position that makes him seem so huge?
2: Well, Vaughn seems small? Who's yeah. wearing more pads.
0: Well, that, that
3: could play.
2: Uh, Vaughn well. tends to go lean on the pads.
0: Right. He wants to be light and quick. Yeah,
2: right. I think Derrick Henry, knowing what kind of contact he's going to absorb, he goes heavier on the pads.
0: I think that's why he looks bigger. What would happen if Vaughn Miller got a carry? What would it look <laughs> like? <laughs>
1: I think he'd be the shifty type. I don't think he'd be like seeking contact like Derek.
0: Yeah, he's very good at avoiding contact. It's like <laughs>
1: yeah, his job. <laughs> yeah. Next one coming in from True Champ, Champ True Champ Fan Twenty Four. He says, "Also, where is the love?" DS Forty Eight. Oh, Dennis Smith is the most overlooked safety
2: I can think of. DS Forty Nine, actually. Yeah. Even though it was written as 48.:
1: We all agree Atwater needs to be a Hall of famer, but I say Dennis Smith needs to have his bus next right next to the smiling assassin.:
2: No argument here. I mean, I don't think he's going to have much of a case to get in just because of the guys that are sitting in front of him at safety, but uh, I'd put Dennis Smith in if I could. No question.:
0: Yeah, for sure. Next one's from Ohio Bronco 70. Well, let's into the pot. I've heard you guys mention the name Joe Schobert a lot. Being from the northeast, being from northeast Ohio, and like Zach, supporting the Browns at times, Joe Schobert is a beast. I'd love to have him here. What do you guys think about the possibility of him coming here? By the way, Bojo's pizza is the bomb. I had it when I was on my vacation to Colorado two years ago. The honey on the crust hype from Ryan and Zach was real. Go Broncos! <laughs> he says. Also, I changed my name from Vaughn, Father of Tom to Ohio Bronco Seventy. At this point, I think everyone is Tom's father. So there's not really any significance oh. to the name.
1: You may want to save that username, though, for when he's in orange and blue later this fall. No, stop it! No. <laughs> stop I'm, it. I'm not speaking it into existence. Don't um, worry about that.
0: See, I like the idea of them upgrading the linebacker position, but Vic Fangio kind of showed us this year, like, I, he doesn't need it. And I, I meant to tweet this out. I was actually was crafting the tweet before you guys got here. I t- I've talked about it once before, and I'm going to say it a, probably a bunch during this off season. It is unbelievable what Vic Fangio did with the names on that defense.
3: Yeah,
2: it's what he did with Chicago in 2015. What's unbelievable is that he met, he not only did it once, he turned around in Denver and did it again. But we're talking about like,
0: is it Jonathan Harris? Yeah, that,
3: yep. that is
0: a person who played significant snaps in in yeah. week 17. Yeah, we're talking about Trey Marshall. We're talking about. Jeremiah Atachu. I mean,
2: although we saw in those la- in those last couple of games, especially against the Raiders, it very much had to be bend but don't break, and it bent and bent and bent when you took Kareem Jackson, when you took Derek Wolfe, guys like that out of the lineup. There was a there was a point at which you could finally see it fraying.
0: You know what's interesting? Down the stretch. You know what? I, something I thought when I was watching the Titans Patriots game. I thought Bill Belichick is actually employing a strategy talked about by Vance Joseph, which was a team isn't necessarily going to beat you running the ball. Now we all look back and we say Derrick Henry ran all over them and they and they got just punched in the mouth. They scored fourteen points on offense and yep. they had a pick six at the end. Yep. That was a Vance Joseph <laughs> yep. strategy. Yep. Bill said, You guys can run run and run and run but eventually you're going to have to get it into the end zone and it's going to be difficult for you. And as much as they got punched in the mouth, it worked. The problem is they just didn't have enough offense. They needed three touchdowns from Tom. They needed two touchdowns and a field goal from Tom Brady to win that game. Yep.
2: The goal line stand in the second quarter in retrospect was what won it for the Titans. Yep.
0: But it is I, I just couldn't get past that. I'm like Bill Belichick, that's that's a Vance Joseph game plan right well, there. And that's what's interesting you now you got Wade you have
2: the <laughs> Titans going to Baltimore. And the Ravens, of course, they're going to want to run the ball, but Lamar Jackson offers a more dynamic element, and you wonder if maybe the Titans were holding some things back, knowing that against <laughs> the Patriots, they could beat them just by playing ground and pound with Derrick Henry and saying, okay, some of the stuff that we really want to do, we're going to have to keep them reserved for if we win this game. Because against New England, it was enough to get by based on where the Patriots are now. That game plan will, will not win against Baltimore.
0: Why could Marcus Mariota not succeed in that offense? Were they just calling it wrong when he was in there? Like, it should be so easy for a quarterback in that offense. Just the feel. He just did not have the feel in yeah. the pocket. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Big miss there. Yeah. Uh, if they hit on that, I mean, maybe even if they got Jameis instead, like... Right. They could have been a power. Yeah, they might still have.
2: become a power with Ryan Tannehill.
1: Yeah. How does Derrick Henry in the second round look?
2: Unbelievable. Yep. That's going to be a fun game.
1: Would you rather have Zeke or Derrick Henry? Right now, same draft. Derrick Henry.
0: Derrick Henry. Yep, and one went a full over a full round ahead. How did, how did that get so overthought? There's so much overthinking. That's almost – that is the running back version of DK Metcalf. Oh, Alabama,
2: Alabama running back, a heavy workload. They thought that he'd hit, already hit his peak. That, I, look, I remember the t- – Talk about – I remember I mean, the his talk His workload going into, was heavy all the way back <laughs> in high school. Well, no, I, re- I, remember the t- I remember the talk going into that draft, and you know what? The same thing might come up with Jonathan Taylor – this offseason out of Wisconsin. I mean, it's it's all there on the film that you can that he's a bell cow back who has the ability to do things in the passing game because they worked on that with him this past year. But there are going to be teams that look at the workload and say, oh, he got to run behind Wisconsin's offensive line. And he's going to be downgraded. But some you just got to trust the film on some of these guys and say, look, this guy was a player. He'll probably be a player at the next level who can change your outlook.
0: It's really hard with power backs to evaluate them because they're just running through people. And a lot of times those guys just don't do that at the next level. And so I, I kind of get that one. Here, I have two sports New Year's resolutions. One, trust my original feeling on things. <laughs> when, the Bron- when I got the notification that the Broncos had traded for Joe Flacco, I said, that is dumb.
3: <laughs> and, what a
2: coincidence. That was my reaction too. <laughs> and I had how
0: many when what month did that happen in? February. February. So we had so many months between then and the season to just talk ourselves into Joe Flacco. And but it, by the, the end of it we be? we figured out a way to say like this could actually really work. And I was just throughout was the was it
2: enta- that he could actually really work or that it may not be that bad. He might be just enough. He's better than Case Keenum. I think we had been so that's true. traumatized was the by the previous I couple of years. Like, well, he's got to be better than Keenum. He's got to be better than Simeon
0: in 2017. Than, he was worse than Keenum.
2: It was MVP chance coming from
1: Ryan. Oh, my
0: God. Stop. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I never said that. Seriously. Um, And so that's what that's one. Just trust my gut. But the problem is, like, how can you – like? We're really going to sit here on this podcast for seven months talking about Joe Flacco sucking, um, and then the other one is don't fall for these draft traps, the three cone drill, all this stuff. Like, if you just look at DK Metcalf and you just see him, you're like, that guy's. Gonna, they're going to have a hard time covering him.
2: By the way, and they do. How was Mississippi not a complete baller balling team with? AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, and Dawson Knox. I don't know. Why were they mediocre with those
0: guys? I don't know. Who's calling their offense? I'd have to look that up. Yeah, they got fired. I know that. Because it <laughs> yeah. was Rich Rod this year. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Next one coming in from Mountain Drew. Guys, Longtime listener, first-time con mentor. Never really knew about your military benefit. Really appreciate all you guys do, keeping me sane for two deployments and now long nights on the highway as a state patrolman. Quick question. Looking strictly from a fan's perspective, isn't Derek Wolf more beneficial to re-sign than Shelby? Eight years as a Bronco brings that no-nonsense leadership and honestly, rarely seen in NFL players. And one of Elway's guys, yeah, there's the injuries, but he's already gave us a good deal after the Super Bowl, so I don't feel bad giving him a little cash he deserves. Well, first off, thank you so much Mm -hmm. for your service.
0: That's awesome you're rolling with us. Thank you. Yes, really appreciate that. Um, I think Derek, you're going to get a better deal, and I think he wants to be a Bronco. um, And so... I agree with you. Um, and I just – I don't know. I saw Klis put Shelby as a number two priority free agent for the Broncos, which we know he's not just pulling rabbits out of hats. Um, and that really was really surprising to me. So I don't know if the Broncos are trying to show a little love. I also think there's a cat and mouse game being played with Chris Harris Jr. right now. <laughs> like, again, everyone knows that where that information is coming from. I think the Broncos purposely put Chris a little lower. To be like, oh, yeah, you can play the whole see you guys later game. We'll play the whole we don't really want you game. And I think at the end, both parties are going to end up meeting back in the middle. That's just my gut feeling on it. But with Shelby, it's interesting. I think the Broncos are trying maybe to show him a little bit of love. I think they might actually want him back. And they want him to want to be back. I haven't thought about Shelby Harris coming back because I just really
1: don't give much chance of it happening at all. I mean, I, I'd put as low as like 10%. Right now, maybe that's on me. Maybe I need to relook this, but I think Derek is going to be significantly cheaper. I think Derek wants to stay. I think Shelby wants to be shown the love, and he doesn't care if it's here or somewhere else. And
2: I think he knows that if he tests the market, it's going to come out well for him. Right, based on the way he played, especially this past season. And Derek Wolfe, he he wants a fair contract but he will give you a little bit of a discount based on what he might get on the market. He does want to stay in Denver. Not that Shelby Harris doesn't, but with Derek Wolfe, I think part of it is what he, he grew up with a, a very difficult environment as a child. Now he's here in Denver. He's married. He's got a, he's got a kid. He's got another stepchild. Denver has given him something that he always dreamed of, of, like a family, family, a, a sense of community, stability. And he said that Denver's his home. When he retires, this is where he wants to be. This is where he's going to dig in. So the fact that he's still a productive player, and man, you know, before he got hurt, the best play of his career was happening in this scheme. It's a good fit for him. Yeah. Of course, then you're probably not signing Chris Jones like I suggested.
0: Oh, they should really do that. Really want them to do that. What about yeah?
2: A defensive end rotation of Chris Jones, Derek Wolf, and Draymond Jones.
0: Mm, Jones and Jones. <laughs> They're Jones and for sacks. Oh my goodness! Oh man, <laughs> I like that.
2: And I can have Mike Purcell at nose tackle, and he's perfectly serviceable, good player. Exactly what you need there.
0: All right. Yeah. I mean that's that shouldn't that shouldn't be out of the cards. I think they can resign Derek Wolf and go get Chris Jones. Yeah, they got a lot of money. All right, got a long one here from the Danimal. He says, warning, long comment, not sorry. All right, guys, (laughs) it's finally time to say it. You got me. We got it. Nice. Spending six six months solo in the Baltic states for work last offseason, I was losing my mind not having anyone to talk football with. And spending the last four and a half years missing my hometown and team either out of the country or hospitalized thanks to work, I was in serious need of Broncos football in my life. I started searching the interwebs to get my football fix and ran across a couple Denver podcasts. There are a few good ones, but RK and Zach with their energy sold me on what was back then the BSN podcast. I finally gave in and subscribed to support you guys in beating the other sports podcasts this holiday season as well. Gotta show my football fans some love. I'll tip my hand and let you know I voted for Mace with the discount code since I can empathize with the old wise man of the group having to constantly school up the two young bucks he works with because they can't get an 80s pop culture reference to save their life. On that same note, Mace, I'm going to need to have a talk with your two teammates about Elway history. In your absence last week, they commented on Elway's statement about there being no alternative to Drew going into 2020 at QB. Zach and Ryan made a joke of how bad of a job that was at Elway to not do the one thing he needed to do in crowning drew the starter i think the joke went something along the lines of ryan saying it was a rookie elway fumbling the snap i heard that while listening to the pod during a workout at jim and bali and just buried my hand buried my head in my hands because they missed the reference it wasn't like a rookie la dropping the snap it was like rookie la lining up behind the guard because that's exactly what he did get him in line mate well, i
2: think you just did Danimal out in Bali, so explained it perfectly. He put his hands under Tom Glassick's butt, and Glassick kind of looks at him like, "What
3: the?" <laughs> <"Man?"> <laughs> I have seen. Probably that. did say something like that. Yep. I don't think
0: I called it rookie. I just said, LA fumbled fumble the snap on the yep. play." Yep. Um, he said, "I'll save you guys from any more of my chicanery now. I have a flight to catch back home, and since Zach left me hanging by not taking that trip to Singapore, he promised I'll just finish my coffee here at the airport." Rainforest in Singapore by myself. Love you guys, and let's get Wolf sign signed until he retires a Bronco. Yes, we animal. did have
2: a tangent about airports last week, and we talked about the Singapore airport, and there was a story in the New York Times where somebody, a travel reporter, went over and spent 27 hours, uh, like a, a mini vacation, in the Singapore airport. And enjoyed it? Yes. Yeah, it sounds amazing. Zach,
0: uh, that's <laughs> right up Zach's alley I
2: I, I want to do that too I, I want to do I, but I would probably do more I'd want to test it I'd say give me like a like a long weekend a three or four day weekend at the Singapore airport
0: do they have a hotel there or there's a hotel
2: the- there's a there, but even like not even in the hotel there's like a pool you guys, you are can crazy. go swimming.
1: <laughs>
2: there' a rainforest. There's 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 like a well, zoos in there and stuff. And it's it's crazy. It came up because it was on CBS Sunday morning. They were talking about how American airports need a huge financial shot. In order to maintain pace with the rest of the world, that we're falling behind. I mean, we're actually lucky here in Denver, even though there's major construction at DIA. Yeah, we have got and we've got one of the few airports that was built in the last 25 years. Mm. Mol- in, around the country, you have airports that are falling apart. It did say the best air, what is now regarded as the best airport in the U.S. By the way, is
0: Indianapolis. Indianapolis. Wow. They just
2: rebuilt that in the last dozen years or so. It used to be a dump, and now it is a very nice airport.
0: If I was sending Zach on a vacation to one, (laughs) I would send him to Minneapolis. Mm. That airport is incredible.
2: It's incredible in terms of the options they have, but, boy, it can be hard to get around that main terminal. It's very awkward. You've got some long walks between gates.
0: Yeah, I I landed uh, when I was going to Buffalo last time. No uh, direct flights from Denver to Buffalo. Yeah. And I connected in Philadelphia. And I had to walk like three miles to my gate. Like I felt like I was, it was no. never ending. Do they still Philly's have those
2: cars that take people between the terminals? Because the last time I connected in yeah. Philly, I had to take one of those. They did. So old something school. something
0: weird about like I didn't feel comfortable walking out of the airport. I was like, I just want to stay in. It can't be that long <laughs> of a walk. I was completely wrong. It was a very, very long walk.
2: Minneapolis, though, I'm glad you mentioned that. They, they have one of my favorite restaurants in all the world. It's called Ike's. It's a burger restaurant. also has some amazing cocktails. There's a location in downtown Minneapolis, but there's also one at the airport. Whenever I get time I, I, there, I always hit that place up. It's awesome.
1: When you said Indianapolis Airport, it just reminded me of some stories. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my
0: God. Oh, my
3: God. Uh, uh,
0: from t- Tater Tot Tom. Tater Tot Tom could get some uh, capital letters in there to help us out. (laughs) Uh, Hey, guys. I thought I would share how I became a Broncos fan. It was either 1998 or 1999. They were playing the 49ers. It was a Monday night game. Mace, do you know when it was? It was actually
2: (laughs) 1997, I believe. Week 16, Mm -hmm. it was the Bill Romanowski spitting game. Also, Jerry Rice had torn his ACL in week one. Somehow made it back for that game. And then got injured again, and so that ended his return. And the, the Broncos got pounded that night. It was uh, one of the losses they had down the stretch. Of course, they'd uh, lost to the Steelers as well that month and kind of helped the Bron- put the Broncos in the wild card spot rather than uh, winning the division title. The Chiefs won the
0: division that year. So, okay, thank you. Uh, he says, it was a Monday night game. My family are all 49ers fans because we live in the Bay Area. I wanted to be different. How many people have said that? A lot of our listeners became a Broncos fan just because they d- were dissenting against their family. Yeah,
2: there, there's always people who want to be contrarians. One of my friends in college was from Philly and was a
0: diehard Cowboy fan. Right, right. Ugh, and, and that's you, so
1: dirty. And you know that there was the Raiders fans and the my really, my really cousin Raiders fans. Yep,
0: my cousin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you guys are the my cousins of your family. <laughs> my cousin is a Raiders fan just because he was a rebel. Yeah, he wanted to be different <laughs> than everyone else yep. in the family. <laughs> Um, he says, I was a huge fan of Ed McCaffrey. I liked the way he played in block. What are your thoughts on him? And where do you think he ranks on all time wideouts? I think he's Pretty a, low. <laughs> a decent receiver.
2: Should he be a Ring of Famer? That's the discussion yes, that comes up. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I agree.
0: Um, but no one should be allowed in the Ring of Fame until Mike Shanahan is in there, in my opinion. Well, what if. What Maybe you he- won't have to wait that long. Good. Hmm. Good. That needs to be taken care of.
1: You don't think like any consulting with another team needs to be put to bed before? I have no problem with it. I'm I'm just trying to think. I'm trying to think of why he's not in there.
0: I I don't know. But we're talking about the greatest coach in team history, <laughs> yeah. and he's not in the ring of fame. It blows my mind.
2: Well, and also Rich Gangarello in San Francisco, when he was there, Mike Shanahan helped with Jimmy Garoppolo, and maybe Rich Gangarello asks Mike Shanahan to. Also give some advice and counsel to young Drew Locke being right here.
0: Yeah, I, I still can't get over the fact that Drew Locke has Peyton Manning, John Elway, and Mike Shanahan just at his disposal this offseason. <laughs>
1: it's not not bad, not bad. Next one coming in from Nemo Three. Hey guys, was listening to the last podcast and a and a thought ran across my mind. Do you guys think that last year, if Justin Herbert came out of Oregon, John would have have been as aggressive to pick Drew Locke in the second, if even ahead of Herbert at all? Two. I've been looking at countless mocks lately, and my guy says one of the worst-case scenarios, in my opinion, is San Diego getting Tua.
0: Okay. For your first question, um, I think if Justin Herbert came out, he would have been a Bronco.
1: He would have been the pick, and the there
0: might have been a trade up. Yeah.
2: To ensure they got Justin Herbert. So thank God thank that you, didn't Justin, happen. Thank
0: you, Justin, for going back to Oregon. Yes, thank you to Justin <laughs> Herbert's little brother, I forget his name, for yes. coming to Oregon. <laughs> the tight
1: end, right? Yes. Yep. Yes. And making
0: Justin Herbert stay. And for Nike for probably
1: paying Justin Herbert a lot of money under the table. Thank yep, you. That's good, too. <laughs>
0: um, Tua to San Diego. How much does that scare you?
1: Oh, a lot. I'd hate
0: it.
2: See, I love the idea of Justin Herbert being a Charger.
3: Oh, I hate
2: too. the idea of Tua being a Charger. Tua, yeah. that legitimately scares me long term. What about and this? that's why I'm glad uh, he's probably going to Miami. Yeah. What about
1: you guys? Won't hate this, but Tom Brady and Tua both to L.A.
0: Hate it.
3: I <laughs> just why would you got? I'd Tua, be more just commit to him. I'm more
0: because, bothered well, by because of the hip. I think they just oh, say by the this the red is shirt. 100% with Tom Brady. I'm
2: more worried eight, about yeah. Tua being there than Tom.
1: But what what would you think of that combo? And yeah, maybe Tom signs one one year thirty five million dollar contract.
2: I kind of
0: hope the Broncos defense gets a chance to tee off on old Tom Brady. (laughs) Um, If you're Tom, doesn't Tom have too much pride for that? Well, thirty five mil, and this is making like fifteen mil with the pass.
2: And this is a league thing as well. They look as frustrated as they are with the Chargers and their ownership. The league wants to see the Chargers work in L. A. Never going to happen. And it's a gambit, but the notion of the Chargers signing Tom Brady actually makes a lot of sense. Remember how many how not they only go from one no, washed quarterback no, to another, but remember how many Colts fans and just Peyton Manning fans hopped aboard yes. the Broncos. Oh, yeah, that would happen with Tom Brady if he became wow, a Charger, that's a really and good they've point. got and they've got to sell seat licenses and they've got to sell tickets and they've got to do something to alter the landscape going into SoFi Stadium. Something game changing. I think Tom Brady gets guided to the Chargers. You
1: know what would be game changing is that and Tua. I mean, right? But Miami has so. M- yeah. But
2: Miami has so much draft capital. Just buying yeah. fans out here, yeah, for twenty twenty one and beyond, that they can go to the Lions or Washington. And give them the farm to move up yeah. if need be. No,
0: I think he, I think he's going to end up in Miami. So anyway, I've, I've never felt that confident about Tua as a pro, and the injuries have just made me feel less confident. He, I'm not that scared. I'm not that scared of him. I'm not that scared of him. The big thing is you got to keep him healthy. And think about who he's been throwing to, though. Oh, I know. He's throwing to probably the maybe the best group of wide receivers in the NFL. Like, if they just went to the NFL right now, it might be the best group in the uh, the NFL.
2: Guys like A.J. McCarron were thrown to those types of receivers as well, and they didn't have the success
0: that Tua did. For sure. For sure. But they were also playing in a crap offense where they just wanted to hand it off to Mark Ingram (laughs) 40 times a game.
1: Why can't Tua be great? And he also just has the best wide receiving core of all time.
0: It's possible. But what if Tua made them great? He doesn't... Mm. His arm is not that lively to me, and that worries me. Did
2: Henry Ruggs do enough once Tua went down to kind of seal his place for you? Because Jerry Judy was the better receiver post-Tua.
0: Yeah, I think that – what is Mac Jones? Is that his name? Yeah, he sucks. (laughs) So I wasn't evaluated. But but Jerry
2: Judy, it didn't seem to matter that Tua wasn't out there.
0: He was balling. Jerry Judy – I don't even know how to describe what he does when he cuts because it's not cutting yeah i like I was trying to describe this to my buddy the other day I was watching Jerry Judy film he just changes it just it, it's not a cut he it just lo- he just changes direction it looks possible. yeah it's not even like it it's the kind of the opposite of sharp it's so smooth it that it doesn't like even look a, like anything
2: happened. it right. looks like a glide yes when he cuts but yep. he still is making the move that you need him to make it's not like he's rounding it he's going exactly where you want him to go but it just looks so Smooth. I've so never seen anything like it. Effort blows my
0: mind. He just moved. It just he's going one way and going the other way. Nothing ever changed about his head or his body. As I've watched, it blows res- my mind.
2: As I've really gone and kind of studied the receivers the last couple of weeks, there are you know, there's a lot of quality, but Judy's the unicorn without a doubt. And, and that's people why are going to sh- overthink that. Just not- so you know, really. So yes. do you
1: disagree with
0: this? I think there's zero chance he's available at fifteen. I think uh, fifteen is far. That's a far fall. You have to but hope- I think there's a. Decent chance he doesn't end up being the first wide receiver taken. And I think it's so dumb. That would be dumb. Would if be you dumb. had a
2: choice of all of them, Judy has to be the pick, right? No Without matter a doubt. what. They, they, yeah.
1: the, the reason why I'm so fascinated with Henry Ruggs is that I think he's a legitimate option. Now, I still think he could be gone at 15, but I just think there's
0: 0% chance that Judy's there. Would you trade up for him? I love how they, our, our draft rules have changed. They have. they have a quarterback. Like, we... For the last two years, we've had the same conversation about every play, every trade-up, everything. It's you can't trade up. You can't sacrifice first-round picks. Would you, you don't be have willing to better.
2: sacrifice your 2021 first-round pick to move up for Jerry Judy?
0: No. Yes. Even in a deep receiver
2: class. The, and he
1: that, is the unicorn. That's what breaks it for me is in a deep receiver class. Okay.
0: I think he's a cut above. I, he I, is. There's no doubt. After watching that, man, my mind is so blown. I've never seen anything like it. He just floats around the field and it just gets wide open I all the time. S- Honestly,
2: I think I I, described the way, I would describe the way I felt when it just all kind of clicked for me watching the Citrus Bowl as a man crush.
1: Yeah, yeah developed on Jerry so Judy that day.
0: Smooth.
1: <laughs> what about this, though? As an organization, you're absolutely trending in the right direction right now. What if Jerry Judy's Sammy Watkins? He's and not, you did and you did just I don't think he is. Yeah. But the Bills didn't think he was. I think he's, no one thought he was. Hey, if you're,
2: you want let's talk about Alabama receivers. I think he's Julio 2.0.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. are you happy with that? That's
1: that's <laughs> it's risky going two first rounders. And hey, I love Jerry Drew. I'm not I'm not trying to put I'm just saying that's that's the the risk
0: you take. It is. Uh, there's always a risk. Um, but now that you have your quarterback go take some risks. Go try and get a unicorn. I mean, I'm not saying trade up to five. Like that's too too steep. Nine. If he's there at nine, you can jump up. Hey, what was the Broncos? The Broncos didn't get a first round pick last year. Didn't the Steelers go from twenty to ten? Yep. So you can go from fifteen to ten without giving up a first round pick. Oh, it, I would do it anything
1: for a for a, outside of an additional first.
0: Yep. Okay. I'd do a second. So, Absolutely. <clears throat> I mean, I've been slowly just going through. I'm interested where C.D. Lamb is going to go. I'm not as in love with him as some others are. I think he's a really, really great playmaker. Um, I didn't like the fact that he didn't make a big impact in their playoff game. One pr- really big catch. He also had one really big drop. Um, it
2: was the best secondary he'd gone against
0: as well, and that was telling. Right. The th- the one that's that I think... I think Ruggs has a chance to be there, but I also think Ruggs is going to run like a 4-2 something, and some team is going to be like, ah, Judy at Ruggs and just confuse themselves based on numbers and end up taking Rugs higher than Judy. Like, I actually think that's a possibility. Yeah. The one that I know is going to be there at 15 is LaVisca, and But
2: might he be there at 25, too? He shouldn't if
0: any of those teams that are picking in but the 20s the that went to the playoffs his- have their wits about them. But with
2: the injury history, though...
0: Yeah, it's a chance. Um, Sometimes
2: you got to roll the dice. I mean, the Broncos roll the dice on Drew Lock falling.
0: Like, aren't the Saints going to be picking at like twenty-two or something?
2: They they were the best team eliminated, so they're going to be picking twenty-fourth.
0: I mean, they would be so dumb to not take who Him else? And Michael the Eagles. Woo! The Eagles are going to pass on LaVisca Chenault? No, they don't even have a wide receiver to speak of.
1: Yeah, they can't.
0: So. I don't think he falls that far. Um, but what if T Higgins is there and, they, and one of those teams
2: that goes receivers and sees T Higgins there said, We're taking T over Lavisca. Then they are dumb. <laughs> uh. <laughs> 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 All right, let's move on. All here. right, Nemo 3. Guys, I must admit, one of the sexiest prospects I've seen during this season has been Derek Brown. I mean, that guy is unreal. In a Fangio scheme, I think his ceiling is higher than Akeem Hicks. He would look so good in orange and blue. Well, he already does. He plays at Auburn. (laughs) Needless to say, Shelby really let me down at the end of the Oakland game, and I'm coming to terms with reality. As soon as we won, I was happy. But as a fan, I quickly came to terms with the implications of the win on the draft process. Here's what I'll say. Ryan, the other day, you had a good point about the options on the table at 15 and how there isn't much of a difference them picking at 10 theoretically. So there are a lot of options at 15 that I honestly would not mind, although they may not be the most coveted players. I think there will be plenty of players on the board who can contribute immediately. And, guys, let's not forget there are plenty of holes still. Some of those guys are Isaiah Simmons, long shot, oh, Trayvon Diggs, beast. A.J. Espinosa, Visca, 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 <laughs> and Sutton would be serious. I mean, that's a tandem of two bully receivers. P.S., how would you guys feel about Tyler Biotis at pick 15 plus or minus minus? a possible trade-up early in the second or late first for a receiver using one to three third-round picks. Ryan, can you tell uh, me,
1: who, who's v- Viska? Who's this guy? Can you help me with that?
0: Yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> He's the most physically gifted and imposing player maybe in this whole class.
2: Viska is to RK as Tyler Biotish is to me.
1: <laughs> so, wait, what you just said. Let's say there were no injury concerns. Well the Visca. Him or Judy. Oh god. Um
0: it depends on what you need. You're the Denver Broncos. And so Visca just like had a Heisman caliber senior season or junior season at Colorado.
1: If that's what you think. If he's if he's healthy.
0: If that happened, I wouldn't have been able to like I wouldn't be able to control myself. He probably led the buffs to like an eight win season. <laughs> and I would probably take Visca. But The truth is Jerry Judy is a significantly more advanced wide receiver. Um, And so if I had to, like, my bias would have probably pushed me towards Visca. (laughs) The truth is, as a wide receiver, Judy is a lot better um, as a pure wide receiver. Here's the thing about LaVisca. He is not a pure wide receiver, and he's not a great route runner right now. Um, He is a freak is what he is. He is uh, Derek Henry – in the running game, and also, uh, like, Julius Thomas as a tight end receiving option, and uh, I don't even know of a wide receiver who is as physically imposing as he is. Like, Julio Jones, you know what I mean? Like, he's all of these things, which just makes him so intriguing. If it wasn't for the injuries, I think he'd be for sure going in the top ten. So, Yeah. Sorry, you, you started that, not me. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not getting on you. <laughs> um,
1: Mace, Tyler Biotish at 15.
2: I'd be fine with him, especially as mentioned by Nemo, if you can get a receiver early in the second or if you can take that second round pick, move back up into late round one. I think a better possibility may be to get the receiver at 15 and then if you trade back up into round one using some of your – second- and third-round capital, then it certainly becomes logical, I think, to get Tyler Biotis at around, say, 28. Well, I, I agree so.
1: with that. And, Ryan, would you be okay with trading back in the first round for Biotis?
0: Um, if I'm trading back in the first round, I probably would want to go for a different position. I'm really, really comfortable with Connor McGovern as the Broncos center moving forward.
1: Okay, so you don't – what about moving him to guard? No, I, I just
2: – I'm not sure they're comfortable with Connor McGovern's potential price tag.
0: That and that might change everything, um, but you—if they're smart, because they what's Keep his seal? the holes that are there. Yeah. You don't create new holes.
2: I still like the idea of Connor McGovern at right guard, Biadasch at center, Reisner at left guard. I think that trio together—I'm not worried about that area of the team for the next four years.
0: It's it's fine. I just uh, first of all, Connor McGovern deserves a huge pat on the back. We were so hard on him in training camp, and rightfully and he deserved so. That, yes. yeah. And it, it came really up, I think, just, once. Yeah, he really did flip a switch. There wasn't a bad one. There's one low snap early in the season to Joe Flacco. Yeah, I cannot believe that.
1: It would a true gamer right there at the center position. Yes, he. <laughs>
0: so uh, huge credit to him. I'm a hundred percent comfortable with him going forward at center. I don't. I mean, I can't imagine he's going to ask for a huge Matt Paradis like payday. Would you pay him eight million dollars a year? Yes.
1: I think that's kind of what the price is. I think that's
2: the ceiling I, the, for him if you're resigning him. I think if it gets to nine and a half, ten million million, $10 million, the Broncos are passing. i
1: got to think $8 million. If I'm Connor McGovern and I'm at, what, three years, $8 million? Three years, $24 million? Yeah. How are you turning that down?
0: Uh, I mean, I, probably because you saw Paradis hit the market. and Well, Paradis didn't end up getting what he was looking for. No,
1: and I guess he can convince himself that Paradis was injured. The injuries, Oh, yeah. but
0: still, I mean. And he doesn't have John Elway telling everyone that. Paradis, his leg is
3: falling off. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, but I actually thought you were going to say you would be okay with, with Biotis. So now I know how you're going to feel when I say Biotis at 15. No. Yeah, no. Mace, That that's what I want to know from you because I know that you're okay with trading back into the first round mm-hmm. for him. But at 15,
2: no moving around. You're at 15. I'm fine with him. I think he, I, okay. I think he'd have good value at 15. Okay. Because be, beyond the tackles – What's the next most important position on the offensive line, especially for a young quarterback? Yeah, and I would even say that center is probably more important than right tackle at this point. Again, given a young quarterback, given the fact that you need someone up front who's very smart, has you know has the ability to easily process an offense, can be kind of that captain that guides everything up front. Be honest, checks all the boxes.
1: I to. I've defaulted to you on Biadish for everything, but I watched a decent amount of the Rose Bowl, and I wasn't impressed with Biotish at all. Did, was it a rough game for his standards?
2: Rough game for his standards, rough game for that whole offensive okay, line.
1: Okay, fair. Then, then I'll definitely do, uh, do some more digging on him and, and watching him, but I was just not impressed from that. But it's not fair to go off one game.
0: From Shaggy McGlove in the third, hey guys, so watching the Saints-Vikings game in the third quarter, there's a false start, but then a fumble by Jordan Cameron returns for a touchdown. Only a five-yard loss penalty, not a touchdown. I understand this, but I was wondering why a play like that is called dead, but offsides can be a free play and sometimes lead to touchdowns. But if a player jumps offsides, they try to run a play, the quarterback gets whacked, then I feel they would call a bigger penalty. I believe this is another rule that favors the offense, and both should be blown dead and a five-yard penalty. Um, I think both should be left live.
2: Well, I think part of it is that you're saying that the play starts when the offense starts it, right, when the snap goes. And I think what they're saying is that something like that, a false start, in part because it can often lead to offsides, that, it can often, that maybe it leads to a superfluous hit. It's sort of a player safety thing. Fair enough, and you know, that's a hit that the quarterback doesn't need. To like it's so the false start happens, and then wasn't it Va- f- Von Miller comes in and and hits the quarterback.
0: Then, but wasn't it a false start that they left live that got uh, Derek Wolfe injured? Right, they were supposed to blow it dead, yep. and they, they didn't. were
2: blowing it dead. Nobody heard it. Um, yep,
1: and uh, yeah, the
2: crowd. Remember, the crowd was loud at that point in the game. and yep. it.
1: unless it's a. Uh, crazy offsides where you know like the play starts and then clearly stops because of it I agree keep it going I thought that was going to be a touchdown for the same one were,
0: thing that I yeah. love one thing that I absolutely love in soccer is advantage essentially if a player on the defending team commits a foul but the offense is in a position to create a play they don't blow it dead they let it happen and then if if they used what is considered the advantage? Then the, the whistle never blows. It's not like they go back. Mm-hmm. And if there's a card to be assessed, they wait until the next dead ball or out of bounds. Then they go assess the card. I love that. Like, I think in basketball, if a player gets fouled, but as they're getting fouled, they pass the ball ahead and they go get a layup. Like pace of play, just let them, give them the two points. Let's go. Yeah. Let's move. I'd love. I wish uh, in more aspects there is there would, they would do that and that Hockey this would as be well. One. Because right. you have
2: a defensive penalty and they keep play going and, and you pull the goalie and you go right. a and extra time with the There are a advantage. lot of
0: situations like that in football. Yeah. Like if a player gets face-masked or something, it's not like they blow it. You know, They let the play finish, then they assess it on the end. But I love the advantage. I, I, I think th- that sort of stuff should be assessed way more in sports.
1: I, t- I completely mm-hmm. agree.
0: All right, let's take a quick break here to discuss Green Mountain Dental Group. Uh, As you guys may or may not know, taking care of your teeth is pretty important, and our friends at Green Mountain Dental Group are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. That's right. You simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental to hand over a free Sonicare toothbrush. Check them out today online or call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment.
1: Oklahoma Bronco 58 chiming in. I'm interested to hear a debate between y'all about the NFL OT rules. It seems people want to change the rules to where both teams are guaranteed a possession before sudden death, which I would be for particularly how colleges do overtime. However, this is particularly scrutinized when an elite quarterback is shafted of a chance to say they have, or to have their say in OT, but take the two games this weekend that went into OT. For example, breeze doesn't get a chance and they lose. Now, if it were Josh Allen that hadn't got a chance at the ball, most people wouldn't bad an eye about the OT rules. While I'm 100% for the rule change of some sort, I don't like picking and choosing when we run the rules to be changed or not. I'd love to hear y'all's thought on this.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're talking about, like, just human nature, right? It's people notice it more when they didn't get to see Breeze, you know, late in his career. Or blah, Mahomes blah, blah.
2: last year in the AFC Championship game.
0: In the end, the rule sucks. The NFL overtime sucks. It needs to be fixed. There's n- there is no good reason why both teams shouldn't touch the ball. It makes no sense to me, and I don't care who the quarterback is. It's just yeah. bad.
2: Well, it's like this. I hear the thing, oh, well, it's a team game. You should, you know, the Saints should have stopped the Vikings. Okay, what about the Vikings' defense, Saints' offense? So it's a team game, but we're saying those phases have absolutely no sway should not
0: decide the game.
2: No.
1: What's the downside to college football playoffs or overtime? One it's contrived. I don't, it's
2: yeah. it's it's the equivalent of a penalty kicks in soccer. So Just how I view it is this: this is my I put this out on Twitter. I'll share it here. The first stage of it. First of all, you put 15 minutes on the clock in postseason, and you can say, and I'm for ties in the regular season. I don't need. This is all about the playoffs. I don't care about overtime in the regular season. Oh, boo. If they're so concerned about hits, then you wouldn't have overtime, right? In Wait, the regular whoa. season. I missed something. Ties are fine. I'm he, saying. He says season are fine.
3: I said boom. No. I'm saying no. But
2: in the postseason, you put 15 minutes on the clock. You start with each team getting one possession, and then if it remains tied, then you go to sudden death for the rest of 15 minutes. And then when that 15 minutes ends, and it's, if it's still tied, then you go to the college football overtime. But say, if you get a touchdown, you are going for two right then and there. Just start that immediately. Sure.
1: Yeah, I like that. I like that formula.
0: Yeah. I mean, for me, it is so blatantly obvious to change the rule to make sure that both teams touch the ball no matter what. I don't care what happens after that. Do whatever you want. But the rule needs to be that both teams touch the ball. I don't want to go to college because I just think it's not... It's not football? It is football, but it's not indicative, like... Everything changes. All of a sudden, right. you're already in scoring position. You can well, score in one play. Yeah, I like, like it, it as a last or... resort
2: so that, to make sure the game doesn't go ridiculously yeah, if long. If you want to do that, if yeah, you want to do a fine.
0: quarterback throwing competition at targets, like I, I don't care. All I care about is that both teams touch the ball in overtime. It is absolutely silly that that doesn't happen <laughs> right now. It is.
2: And think about it. Is Name another sport that's a major sport in this country that does not allow both teams the opportunity to have the ball, the puck.
0: Technically, in hockey, you could win
2: the but faceoff the, and go score. But you have the faceoff. Right. That's a, a chance that you have. It's not a coin flip. Right. You so have a shot at winning the faceoff. Yeah. God,
0: <laughs> overtime hockey is so and, intense. And even, yeah. and even
2: in soccer, they divide extra time into two 15 minute periods. One team kicks off to start the first, one team kicks off to start the second. So conceivably, each team could just park the bus and pass it back and forth amongst each other, but each team does get the ball.
1: I love baseball. Overtime. Oh, extra innings? If you want to call it overtime.
2: It It actually
0: is the best. I love it.
2: It actually is the best way of breaking a tie.
0: It it just nothing changes. They just keep playing.
2: Right, and and keep playing forever. Yeah. But every team, but
0: each team. Baseball's a little different, though. But
3: each
1: team (laughs) does get the same number of chances. Oh, I love seeing when it's in, like, 17
0: I do too. It's K uh, cha- at that point. It's chaos. That's what's yeah. fun. You, you know, got you, you, position players <laughs> pitching. I think it's great, but it, <laughs> it is less of an injury risk uh, in baseball than it is. Like, can you imagine if they played football, you know, four extra quarters, <laughs> right. It'd be really, really dangerous. <laughs> right. What do you
2: think of the proposal that occasionally floats around regarding baseball and saying, we you're going to start every extra inning with a man on second.
0: It's silly. I hate yeah, that. It changes. The I game hate that. Too like much. it, is anyone really saying, like, ah, I can't watch baseball just in the off chance that it might go to extra innings? I just don't, I don't have a time. I can't commit that time. Right. I you know, only right? like
2: it, say, after maybe you get through the 12th inning and if it's still tied, then you put the man on second. Again, kind of a last resort
0: to break the tie. Just, I, I want, I live for the opportunity that a game might not end.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, when you wake up in the morning and it's still going on. <laughs> well,
0: I think eventually there's a curfew, so they would have to stop playing. Oh, I would just... love for that to happen. Mm, that would be awesome. I want them to say, "Like, all right, folks, we'll pick this back up <laughs> tomorrow."
2: They actually did a minor league game back in 1981. Oh that's my so god, that's so awesome! <laughs> they 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 had to stop the game, and they picked it up, and it was during the Major League Baseball strike when they picked it up. So it became this big media event, mm-hmm. and it was done in in in. One well, there event. was uh, wasn't
0: there a tennis match that happened with that yes yeah, 68
2: and, and nicholas mahout in the uh yeah in the fifth I watched set. every second that's so <laughs> enthralling to it me. was yeah it was gripping yeah and i could I, cu- I couldn't stop watching that match
0: yes and like i'm not i'm not a big tennis fan at all and in fact in terms of sports that are on tv that's the one i'm least likely to watch but i watched every second of that that was gripping <laughs> see i love
2: tennis it's, the, it's, it's a the, little too much. Just yeah, but it's the best, best kind of one-on-one dual sport there is, I think.
0: Yeah. What else would be an option? Boxing. But mm. I'm not
2: a combat sport
3: guy.
0: Yeah, I don't... There's ep- something about 2020 and, watching people just try to beat each other's and, heads and in. It, and just, yeah. an it doesn't epic, have as much appeal anymore. Like, the epic
2: tennis matches, I would say, are, are maybe the best sporting events we've had.
0: Like, How is that not a bigger... Um, debate nationally. Like, football, they're saying, like, take out the off chance that they... Or not the off chance. Please try to reduce the amount of times they get hit in the head. (laughs) Boxing, they're like, the entire point of this sport is hitting (laughs) someone else in the head. Knocking them unconscious. Yes, that... uh, I'm not trying to be like sensitive here. It's just I feel like there should be we're really worried about football. Yeah, we should maybe be talking about the sport where the entire point is hitting someone else. in the head. Well,
2: think about this: in football, there's a, there are collisions, but the point is to get the ball across the goal line. Yes, get the most points, right? Yes. In boxing, what is the point? Knock to, them out. Right, exactly. To, to, and ditto for you know UFC. And they, I I get that people love that sort of thing, but it's not me. It is a little much. <laughs> it's
1: a little much. It's not me because I wouldn't do very well.
0: Uh, from well, what, like... you think
2: you'd be a good football player, Zach? A better than
1: better than boxing <laughs> or MMA. yeah. What, what weight
0: category would you be in? That? I'd probably be too big. Super duper yeah. <laughs> featherweight. <laughs> Playing like eighth graders. <laughs> <laughs> from Orange Crush, hey guys, just a quick message of appreciation for the podcast, which helps the daily grind of living in Australia at the moment. Mm. The sky is red, the temperatures are scorching, and the air quality is the mm. worst in the world, and there doesn't seem to be an end in sight. I usually find time to listen to you guys, which gives me a small escape from the reality that is around my home. I would recommend everyone try and donate whatever they can to Red Cross Australia. Thank you, guys. Yes, and Orange Crush, you know, we're we're thinking about
2: you and uh, everyone down there. We know we've got a lot of listeners down there in Australia, and uh, uh, good point. You know, if you've, got, if you've got any extra money, please, you know, go donate some. I mean, did you see the map that it was taken from a bunch of pictures from the space station? But it basically, it put a series of pictures together from the International Space Station over the last month to show all the territory in Australia that had been or was being consumed by fire. Uh, it's, and it's just, it's heartbreaking. It's yeah.
0: really, really heartbreaking. And this is obviously a, a selfish thing, but like one place I've always wanted to go in my life is Australia. And it's, mm-hmm. I've never been there. I know the people are great just based on the fact of all the commenters that we have on here and people I've interacted with. Um, and it is just so sad. Upwards of half a billion animals have died in these fires.
1: Yeah, that saw that last night. I couldn't wrap my mind around that.
0: It's devastating. So I uh, saw
2: something like like 25% of the wild koala population is estimated to have perished. Oh, goodness. God. It's just sad. It's so, sad. so, so, so,
0: so terrible. So our thoughts are absolutely with all of the people down there in Australia, and we hope you stay safe. Next one here is from Dan Burke. Watching the Texans and Eagles offense stutter throughout the year and again in the playoffs without Will Fuller and Deshaun Jackson respectively really made me appreciate how important uh, a speed receiver is to an offense. It's not confirmed, but there's a report that Henry Ruggs has hired an agent and is declaring for the draft. With Cecil Lammy saying the Broncos have their eyes on him and Ben Albright saying that Denver at 15 is his floor in the draft, we can put that in pen. It seems like the Broncos are very interested in him. With that in mind, and bearing in mind his stock will rise when he inevitably blows up the combine, would you think the Broncos trade up a few spots, nothing extreme, but maybe giving one of those third-rounders to make sure they secure him? I would do it.
1: Ab- absolutely. Um, to especially a third-rounder to move to, what, 12? Yeah, it's To fine. get him? Absolutely. You have three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You do that.
0: Yeah, you definitely make a move if he's your guy, especially. Um, Where do
2: things stay on the draft value chart, though? Because... Let's say you're going from 15 to 12 and that's about let's see here that's that's about 150 points. So that's roughly the, that's a late third rounder. Yeah, that's doable. There you go. But a team I think may they should be try to get more.
0: I think they should be going into this draft with the idea that they're trading up. Please. And saying, "Okay, let's start looking at where what we need to do" to get up to somewhere between 12 and 9. But let's yep. say
2: like the 10th pick, the difference between 15 and 10 on the draft value chart is 250 points.
0: So So that's a second and a third. That's
2: basically that's a, the equivalent of the 68th pick, so a high third rounder. So maybe Uh-oh. you have to say one of your Easy. thirds plus a day 3 pick to go from 15 to 10. And yeah, you do that, but again, it underscores what you lost when that pass from Derek Carr, hit off of Shelby Harris's hand. <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't have had to do that. You He'd still lost do it. that though.
0: game. You, you do it. Easy. Just, just do it. Like Go up higher to get a better player. Just seems like a no brainer to me.
1: <laughs> yep. Especially when you have the draft capital. Next one from Orange Crush. Hey, guys, just a quick message of appreciation for the podcast. No, we already oh, got that one. We just, we just got that one. Thank We're you. Two Dan, beyond that. Dan, oh, wow. Really bad on me. Dan Burke again. He says, also just to comment on the Broncos draft strategy. I think they did a better job in 2019 at finding a balance between talent and character. In 2018, I think they went too far to find character players and didn't pay enough attention to whether the guys had the juice to play in the NFL. In hindsight, the 2018 draft gets overrated. Sure, Sutton and Chubb are fantastic, but Royce, Yadam, uh, Deshaun, Josie, and Fumagalli have already or will be regulated to backup roles in 2020. Surprisingly, the team is also upgraded or looking to upgrade all of those players.
0: Yeah, but you do have to include Phil in that conversation. And if you get three high-level starters in any draft, you call that a great draft.
2: And, I mean... Fumagalli being a solid backup, that's fine. He was a fifth-round pick.
0: That's what you're looking for That's about for there. what
2: you expect. Josie Jewell, I think maybe you expected a little more for him, but he's going to be with this team probably for the length of his contract as a backup and, and someone who can be a spot starter for you,
0: and that's fine. I hope that as we move forward, guys like Josie Jewell, and, and I'm not meaning this as an insult to him specifically, are just out, taken out of the, the draft plans. you got to get fast. Gotta get fast. And I know that there are places for guys who aren't fast in sports, but it's just like if you're go if you're taking a, a later round guy, get someone who's fast. Fast. You just gotta get faster on the field.
3: <laughs>
1: he goes on and says in two thousand nineteen they struck a balance. Fant definitely wasn't praised for for his character. There were a ton of immaturity concerns, and I think that has been reflected in some of his play this year. Draymond Jones and Fant were both twenty one when they got drafted, and Winfrey had a suspension at Maryland, not holding anything against him, and there were no red flags to see you but have to take that into account. So they deviated from their 2018 plan and the results were better in my opinion. It's interesting because juice was the motivating factor in 2017. Character was the motivating factor in 2018, and they finally struck a balance in 2019 and had their best draft yet. Moving into 2020, I hope it's more of the same. Great if the players are captains and high character, but it shouldn't be all and all.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about Juwan Winfrey's suspension at Maryland. I'll just say that. It's not, it's not much of a big deal around here. Um, uh, and both Draymond uh, Jones and I Fant.
2: I think I think with Fant, people are confusing you know, some issues of kind of drive with character. There was nothing red flag with Noah Fant regarding his character.
0: Yeah, and I don't think there's really anything else
2: on him. And the other thing is, Noah Fant, I think he passed the adversity test as a rookie. You know, we he, all, you I, never I, know. Got better with adversity. Right. That, that moment when you're punched in the mouth and you have to confront struggle for the first time in your football life, how do you respond? Noah Fant turned around and became a different player, stepped up his level. I mean I emerged from the twenty nineteen season thinking Noah Fant's gonna be a Pro Bowl caliber tight end within the next two years based on the trajectory he took and how he grew when he was confronted with drops, with teams with teammates telling him, Look, you gotta get better. This isn't gonna work. You know, he didn't he he didn't hide from the criticism. He built off that I, I think he's gonna be fine. And Draymond Jones Uh, not there were there weren't he came out early but there was not a maturity issue on Draymond Jones
0: in no way and um uh credit to the Broncos in locker room leadership for addressing Noah Fant and helping to move him along
2: oh by the way we have some breaking news coming in great news Henry Ruggs mm. is declaring for the 2020 NFL
0: Let's Draft. Go, baby. Great. I thought it was like Tom Brady's coming. To <laughs> Good day
2: for the Broncos. Ruggs declares. Tua declares. That's one team above them that's not going to take a player that the Broncos might want.
0: Yep. Uh, <clears throat> Tua declaring increases the chance of Ruggs falling. Yes. All right, from K Monty, hello, gentlemen. Thanks for answering my comment last time. Yes, Mace, this is Kyle, still in beautiful, snowy Flagstaff at 7,000 feet elevation. Come say hello. It's a lovely town. Fun story. Unbeknownst to me, oh, isn't Flagstaff home of the other doghouse? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes.
2: It's also the home of, former home of Rich Gangarello and the college home the last few years of Case Cookus, Northern Arizona quarterback, a player that Scangarello was involved in recruiting. He's going to play out the Hula Bowl later this month. And as I've said, a name to keep your eye on for a young quarterback at the back end of the
0: draft of free agency that the Broncos may bring in. All right. He says, fun story. Unbeknownst to me, my brother Dan in Phoenix is also a DNVR podcast listener. He sent me a text off your latest pod saying he heard me. That's awesome. Love love the family connection there. Question, I was really intrigued by your conversation on whether the Broncos would be better in the 2020s than the 2010s. I agree with both of you. That is a very tough act to follow, so probably not. But you're especially right that the presence of Patrick Mahomes in the AFC West throws a bigger wrench in any such hope, which got me thinking. When was the last time any division rival of a a probably future Hall of Fame quarterback won a Super Bowl? What does that mean? It means that,
2: let's say... Oh, 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 okay. For example, when Peyton Manning was in the AFC South... Nobody else in that division won right.
0: Super Bowl. Tom Brady. No mm-hmm. one else was succeeding. Yeah, it's a. I'm trying to think of who are the divisions that have two though.
2: Well, think about like, I'll give you an example of one that is an example of what Kyle's talking about. Ben Roethlisberger with the Steelers, but Baltimore right. still managed to win a World Championship in the 2012 season.
0: That's true. Yep. Um, how about? Uh, well, no, I guess. Phillip Rivers, is he a probably future Hall of Fame quarterback?
1: Borderline. He'll get some discussion.
0: Well, the Broncos went in and dominated the division while he was there. Of course, they had their own future Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, right. the, question is not, the question is not about whether you can win a Super Bowl when another team in your division has a future Hall of Fame quarterback. It's whether the question can- is, you cannot can you win a Super Bowl without a future Hall of Fame quarterback, which we know – of the time, the answer is enough. no.
2: But when you've got that alpha dog, and while Philip Rivers is a very good quarterback, I I think it's debatable whether he's a Hall of Famer or not. I think he's just kind of on that next tier.
0: Yeah, but debatable is... Just outside.
2: But if you've got the Hall of Famer, they kind of put the division on lockdown. Now, what's interesting, guys, is in the NFC South, we have seen two teams come close in the Drew Brees era both the Falcons with Matt Ryan that year playing at a league MVP level. Cam Newton. Would have
0: won it if it wasn't for Kyle Shanahan.
2: Right. Cam Newton,
0: same thing the year before with Carolina, league MVP. Would have won it if it wasn't for Von Miller. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Uh,
0: No, it's a good point. I I mean, it definitely makes things more difficult. And the one thing that I would say that gives the Broncos a chance to match the 2010s is they are going to? There's a chance they could have quarterback stability for the whole decade. Didn't happen in the 20s. But what's
2: interesting, what got, what what kind of spurred this discussion is talking about how, like when the Broncos had John Elway, they won, I believe, seven division titles. So close to half. At, you throw out that first year when he's a rookie. So there's 15 seasons and they win the division seven times. So the other four teams in the AFC West, they're kind of splitting what's left over, those, those other eight. So unless you literally have a quarterback who's on that level, it's impossible to kind of envision that. This decade was interesting in the AFC West, guys, because you had the Chiefs win five division titles and the Broncos win five division titles. Nobody else got in there. Yeah. That's pretty rare. Usually, even if you've, with the exception of the Patriots, usually, even if you have a team that's pretty good, like, say, for example, the Saints in the NFC South this decade, you still see the Panthers getting in and winning a few, and you see the Falcons getting in and winning a couple
3: of
0: division titles. Is next year the first one? So next year is the, oh, the 2020s. Okay. We're Does starting you... right now. Right. And
2: so let's assume that the Chiefs win half the division titles with Patrick Mahomes. Is that a fair assumption you'd say? Yeah. Sort of kind of based on where things were with John Elway. That's five for everybody else. And how many of those do the Broncos get?
0: It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. It all comes down to Drew Locke.
2: I think the Broncos could have as many playoff appearances in the 2020s as they did in the 2010s, but instead of five division titles, it looks more like two or three division titles and two or three wild cards.
0: It's It's very easy to forget how much things change when you have to pay that quarterback. They're only getting two years of cost-controlled right. Patrick Mahomes in this decade. They're, th- he's probably going to be here for the entire rest and of the year. And the Broncos decade.
2: are only getting three years of cost-controlled Drew Locke if he ends up being the guy. Yes. So only one year of difference because you don't have that fifth-year option.
0: Yes, but there's also a chance that they sign up Mahomes a little early to make sure that he stays And around. they could
2: backload it to make sure that all of it hits after the new television contracts come into play.
0: It's true. A lot of A lot of different things at play here. I think that... Just handing the Chiefs five is a little aggressive. They won
2: five this past decade with Matt Castle, Alex Smith, and then finally Patrick Mahomes there at the end for two.
1: Yep. I would give them five. I would. I guess we'll see. I would. Next one coming in from Mr. Undrafted. We'll talk about
0: this on the first podcast of
1: 2030. (laughs) (laughs) He says, just a quick comment on you guys signing a shirt for me. Which one would you guys recommend? I only ask because most of the DMVR shirts are black. It will hang on my wall next to my Miller, Lindsay, Sanders, and Elway signed jersey. So it doesn't matter what shirt it is. Whatever is easiest for you guys to sign. Thank you, guys.
2: We have white and silver permanent markers. And I thought Hollywood. it came out really nice on yeah. the
0: ones that we did sign. So with black, the black I would shirt. personally recommend the uh, Denver flag over the DNVR letters. That's my favorite of the DNVR shirts. Yep, I like that. I like
2: that a lot. It's awesome that you
1: guys are reaching out about this.
2: From Andrew O., given the amount of cap room Denver has, do you think it's possible that Denver goes the free agent route at receiver? They can afford to spend big on a player like A.J. Green or Amari Cooper and focus on the offensive line in the draft. My perfect scenario would be to land a known playmaker at receiver and draft Tristan Wirfs in the first round and Tyler Biotis in the second. You can still find a potential wide receiver three in the third round. Also, do you think that Denver will go after crossbar Nick Mullins to back up drew rock
1: <laughs> Crossbar, nick mullins you know what that's referring to mace no his wikipedia photo i at least is what i think it's referring to yeah oh his yeah. wikipedia photo was uh the grainiest photo of all time of his back at, at the like, senior bowl
2: it's something no, he wasn't at the senior bowl yeah, okay, at, a,
1: yeah, yeah. At, a, at a bowl game or something and there's just a
0: crossbar mid right in the middle of the picture oh was he at the gosh. shrine game I don't think. He's wearing so. like a not yeah. his uniform from his college. Is it could like be high school, uh, the N- N- maybe it was it the,
2: the NFL PA game.
0: Maybe. It's sure. like zoomed in so it's a little grainy <laughs> and an, uh, there's a big crossbar right through him.
2: <laughs>
3: it's, um, it's I, not there anymore by the way. Oh. Now
0: it's a yeah. Photo of him in a black 49er practice jersey. We can probably find it because I tweeted <laughs> <sure>. the picture.
1: <laughs> um, boy, I would not like to spend big on receiver in free agency.
0: Amari Cooper is exciting. In any other year, I would probably be pounding the table for a move like that. There are just so many freaking good receivers available. Yeah, and
2: not OBJ. Don't trade for OBJ.
0: No.
1: <laughs> uh, 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 i don't uh, hate it uh, 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 i do next one from brent g wow zach coming in hot with the worst <laughs> super bowl <laughs> picks of all time lol jk much lack much love zach but sheesh i think ryan's picks will be the closest lame as they may be did you roast <laughs> me for
0: picking the one of course i did i'll yeah, be honest ones. at no point did that cross my mind
3: sure i just sure. thought
0: okay <sighs> I didn't want to pick the Chiefs. That was the main reason I picked the Ravens. And the 49ers, I just I, – I don't – the, the NFC is just so underwhelming. I
1: like, the, I like the Ravens way more than I like the 49ers.
0: I think Jimmy G
1: – Jimmy G scares me.
0: Yeah. But that team, the way they operate, man, that defense, I don't know how – But, but the one thing
2: I like about this Minnesota-San Francisco matchup from a storyline perspective is that we all know that Kyle Shanahan – when he took that job, was looking a year ahead, and he really wanted Kirk Cousins to be a 49er. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was the grand plan.
1: Yep, yep. I like
2: the Vikings this week, I think. No way. (laughs) Now that Kirk Cousins has gotten the monkey off his back in regard to the playoffs, in regard to a high-leverage game.
1: I don't like the Vikings, but I think that's where I sit with 49ers right now.
2: But the other thing that's so fun is you've got – Kubiak oh. running the descendant or Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan running the descendant of the Kubiak Mike Shanahan offense. And here comes Gary Kubiak and his band put back together in Minnesota and Kyle Shanahan on the other side. This is fun. Oh yeah. Is the, is the master going to school his former protege. Don't forget yes. Kyle Shanahan's first OC job was oh, no. under Gary Kubiak <laughs> in
3: Houston.
0: I'm telling you. It's so it's so wild this game. This game is not – it might be stylistically a good matchup. It's not, as cl- it's not close. San Francisco. Yes. Mm.
1: Well, I think it's early line seven.
0: Yeah, that's – Here's what scares it's me. It's still about, a little low.
2: Even though it wasn't exposed as I thought it was going to be on Sunday, Minnesota's corners scare me a little bit in, a, in terms of can they contain everybody on San Francisco because, of course, we know about George Kittle. Debo Samuel, I love the way he's emerging right now. Oh, he's so good. And Emmanuel Sanders has been balling since he got to San
0: Francisco. Actually not, but he, he's had, he had a couple good games. Yeah. But he's
2: on a 1,000-yard pace if prorated for a full season. Yeah. Wow. Yep.
0: Um, I think the 49ers are going to stomp him. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about it later in the week. Next one's from Wilma Fingerdu. I love that Just name. wanted to test... Touch on the trusting Elway in the draft conversation. Mace mentioned worrying about Elway's ability to sign free agents because of misses on Juwan James and Bryce Callahan, and rightfully so. Don't forget that Coach Cooper gave an endorsement for James and that Callahan was supposed to be, quote, one of Fangio's guys. I think this is the year we learn from our mistakes and avoid overpaying for injured players regardless of personal bias. Thanks again, boys. Go Broncos.
2: Juwan James was on the Broncos' radar long before Chris Cooper joining the staff was ever a consideration. That's true. Chris Cooper didn't have much of an impact on that signing. He did vouch for him, though. Yeah, he basically it was more like, yeah, can you coach him? And he's like, yeah, that's kind of the level of it. <laughs>
1: he did the door closing. He's like, yeah, for like seven million a year. John's like, thirteen. <laughs> <Yeah>. um,
0: <laughs> I mean, you, I still take yeah. so much issue with the fact that the whoopee cushion thing is still coming up because the the reporting on that was still wrong.
3: <laughs> they
0: said that that the reason that Miami was laughing you know, at John OA for doing that was because Juwan James sucked. Right. Not that he was injury prone. Right. And one of the things was that he wasn't athletic enough, which that's a his biggest strength.
1: Yeah, yeah, they they got that wrong. I, I agree. And last one I believe coming in from Bronco and SF If we go wide receiver in round one and KJ Hamler is around in round two, do we double up on wide receiver or do we go offensive tackle? I think we need to go wide receiver and offensive tackle early, but KJ could be around and he is electric. When are you guys doing your first mock draft? Lastly, I saw that we might be getting three compensatory picks. What's the story there?
0: I'm not going to get into the compensatory picks thing. It's all about players that you lost and how much they played and players that you gained and how much they played. The Broncos, because of Juwan James and Bryce Callahan, should actually be in a great position compensatory picks-wise. As for doubling up But on they are one,
2: looking at three. Uh, Nick Court of OverTheCap.com did his projection, and he's usually pretty close to dead on with these and has the Broncos picking up, I believe, a fifth-round pick and two seventh-round picks out of the <sighs> compensatory pool. Please trade that. Uh, 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 um, actually, one of the picks he has him having right now is the Mister Irrelevant
0: pick. Oh, wow. please don't take that pick. <laughs> um, Chad Kelly. Uh, yeah, I am a big fan. Uh, okay, so I, while I think it's greedy, I actually can support the two wide receiver notion, and I'm not just doing this because he's my guy. If the first one is Laviska, okay, because <laughs> Laviska, you are getting a Swiss army knife who is going to play in that Debo role, even though Debo is also a much better uh, route runner than Visca. He doesn't do anything else better than him. Um, And you still need have the need for that just pure field stretcher. And so that's why I'm like, if you could get a Rager or a Hamler in round two on top of that, well, now you have a serious, serious arsenal of weapons. Well, you just said
1: trade up. What if... LaVisca's your second receiver, and you trade back up in the first. It's
0: so like you got rugs, sure. and then Oh, my God.
2: <laughs> well, the thing is, with Rager and Hamler, we're talking about guys with speed, but we're also talking about slot guys, right? Yes. What if you get Devin DuVernay in round three?
0: I like DuVernay a lot. Yeah. I
2: yeah. think that's better value. There's
0: so many guys. There's so many guys. There's so many. All right. I think that's going to wrap it up for us today after a nice two-hour podcast. This is
2: becoming the norm, by the way, this offseason.
0: Yes. Two hours plus. And, I mean, with all the Bachelor talk that's coming, who knows how long it could get. Dear God. <laughs> all right. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we will talk to you tomorrow on the DNVR Broncos podcast.
3: It's